Cats and Kittens, it's me, Carol Baskin, here with a very special guest, Princess Jones Curtis. We are going to talk all things Tiger King. I am so excited to talk about this. Princess, hello. Hi. I'm Hi. so excited to talk to you about this. I'm excited that like I kind of blindsided you on the air and asked you to, to talk you? about this. <laughs> Because yeah. I was like, we have to. And then you're like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> I mean, we practically did a Tiger King recap on your episode. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I'm so excited. This is like, you know, nobody can stop talking about it. There's a lot of, like, haters and lovers and everything in between of this podcast. It has swept the nation. Cheer is gone. Love is blind, who We're all Tiger King fans today. So, and, no, go ahead. You know... I resisted this for a while because a lot of the shit you guys are watching on Netflix, I'm like, Love is Blind? No, I I did not watch that. I do not need another episode of people trying to find love. (sighs) Love is inside you. It's called Chipotle and other things you can eat. Okay? That's what a love is. You do not need... So I was like not into that. So when you guys started talking about Tiger King, I was like, I don't know what this shit is. And also, I can't watch everything because I have all these fucking kids at my house. I can't just watch whatever I want um, all day long. I have to wait till they go to bed or watch it in my room. So, like I was telling you when we we did my episode, I was like, oh, this is fine. It's about tigers or something. And then immediately it was like, oh, there's a cult. Oh, somebody's (laughs) getting shot. Oh, there's a threesome. And my kids are like, well, we want to go. I was like, yeah, go on outside. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I had a girlfriend ask if a Tiger King was appropriate for children. I'm like, girl, it's barely appropriate for adults. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so yeah. <laughs> um, I think that we should talk about something before we really get into it, which is the like controversy surrounding people who don't like the show for several very valid reasons however you guys i just want to say i work with animals it's my business literally my business i am fully for the you know animals growing up safely and in their natural habitats which is not what's happening here um i think there's a lot of manipulation that we are going to be getting into because it runs throughout the whole series um and i also think like it's a hard time, you guys, okay? And sometimes, you guys, we just need a little bit of, like, levity in the situation. And unfortunately, <laughs> animal abuse is a little bit lighter than what we're dealing with right now. <laughs> hey, right. this is a bit of a hot take, but, um, you know... You know, it seems like all of these people had their best intentions. Things went awry due to, like, you know... Uh, you know, like having a, a big ego and and all of these things. So it's let's just state before we even get into it that this everybody in this documentary is bad and an unequivocally bad person. Yes, everyone in the documentary is bad. There is no there are no heroes in this. 
Unless you count that really good looking uh, U.S. state attorney or whatever. She had like a very Miranda from from uh, uh, <laughs> Sex in the City type look. She, she had Dom energy. I was into it. But listen, guys. Um, there are people. I do this myself, okay? That I see things trending on Twitter somewhat. And I just decide what it's about. And I don't find out. But there are people who think that Tiger King is about watching tigers it is not the tigers are in it's secondary in fact we they could have blurred all the tigers out of this thing and it would have been just like it would have been just fine that we're not like watching people abuse animals like watching a documentary about crazy people in like animal rescue and animal um businesses is very different than sitting down to watch the abuse of animals. Like this isn't Faces of Death 13, okay? We're, right. That's not what this is. And so if you haven't watched, which I can't believe you haven't, I just want you to know that it's more about the cast of characters than it ever is about the big cats. Yeah, I mean, it's truly about the cult of personality and what happens when all of these people who are basically alphas within their own world collide and things go wrong. Things went very, very wrong. So... Yeah, I think that's a, a great little, uh, you know, before we get into things, we're not advocating for anybody. I do not stand for Joe Exotic <laughs> or anybody. So, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's let's get into it. I, I've been doing like a good bit of research. Um, my one of my first questions was, how did Joe even get the money to start this zoo? Mm-hmm. Um, so... What I was able to glean was that Joe had a very tough upbringing, according to him. Um, And also, like, anything that I say about Joe that it seems like as fact is just, like, because he said it, I don't really know what, you know. Um, But he said that he had a very hard uh, childhood, that his parents were very unloving and very tough on him, that... um, he basically went to high school. Apparently what happened is that he, after graduating, became a police chief of a small town of about 500 people um, in Oklahoma. Um, then he was with a woman and Joe was gay, he, but he was with a woman at the time. He was having a really hard time with his sexuality and there was a suicide attempt, which is why we always see him with the like leg brace oh. and the crutch. He got into a car accident that was intentional um so he ended up getting like a horrible car crash he spent a month in the hospital after that he moved to west palm west palm beach um and met a guy a neighbor who owned a pet store um they became great friends he ended up working at the pet store he and his uh brother and they ended up buying the pet store from the guy and then with that money and the help from his parents he was able to start the GW Zoo, which was named after his brother, Gerald Wayne. So that's the beginning of the GW Zoo. I thought it was the greater Winnie... Well, that's what it's called now. (laughs) When it was under Joe's uh, tutelage or whatever you want to call it, it was called, it was Gerald, GW for Gerald Wayne. But now it is called Greater Winniewood. And is Gerald a name? (laughs) I mean, it's Oklahoma, you know? <laughs> Gerald? Okay, all right, fine, fine. I mean, this, I don't know why I'm sitting here arguing this, like this is the most ridiculous thing that's going to happen. And of course... <laughs> You're in for a big surprise, lady. Um, so, 
I, do you want to just get through the, like the cast of characters right now? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. We're going to start with obviously Joe Exotic, the topic of all the conversation. I also, cause somebody, I had a request from a, a lovely friend named Lucy to look up the astrological signs of all these people. Okay. So I did the best I could. <laughs> Um, I'm going to start with Joe Exotic. He is a Pisces. Um, he is a self. <laughs> Hold on. I know. I know. Thank you very much. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> um, Joe Exotic is a self-reclaimed gay gun-toting polygamist. He's got a mullet. He's got a very colorful um, outfit. Uh, you know, he, very colorful style. How would you describe Joe's style? I would describe his style as circusy, as well as rednecky, as well as fringy. Um, I've never seen people so many fringe shirts and jackets <laughs> paired with a with a free a cap that you get from like the gas station. It's very <laughs> interesting. Like, like all his, you know, they have logos on them. So you, they give them away yeah. free when you buy things. And so why is he wearing like um, a natural gas company's hat and then also like a fringe circus shirt? It's interesting. <laughs> I, and he like everyone else on this. Like I was telling, like I was telling people on Twitter, if you guys have ever listened to my show by Pumpkin or my old show, Spelling Tea, you will know that I find many things tacky. I can't tell you why they're tacky. I just know it when I fucking see it. And animal print is tacky. And also, anytime you're wearing, like, an American flag on any part of your body, it's tacky. It just, I, prove prove me wrong, guys. Show me an outfit with an American flag or animal print or, or, or the image of a tiger leaping through the air that isn't tacky. <laughs> and everyone in this thing was wearing it all the time. And so, like, the whole time I was watching it, I was just like, my stomach hurts. My, <laughs> I had, like, a low-grade headache. I thought I had corona because I was just like, I, I could barely breathe because these people are just head-to-toe in fucking animal print. And Joe, I mean, he just looked like he was, he was performing in a circus 99% of the time. It was like if who are the tiger tamers in Vegas? The one that got mauled. Siegfried, one of them got mauled. And, Roy. Siegfried and Roy. It was like if Siegfried and Roy had to go into witness protection, mm. and the only way, the only uh, store that they could dress themselves was like a, a side of the road, like gas station filling station. It it gives you that vibe. Yes, and but he's doing this on purpose. Oh yeah, it's a whole vibe for Mister Joe, Mister Exotic. <laughs> if you're nasty. Um, <laughs> Next, I'm going to go to John Finley, who is his husband, his second husband. So he actually had a husband prior to John, um, but they broke up. Um, Then, okay, so they met. Died? Did he die? I thought he died of AIDS. Another one? I don't know. Oh shit! Oh my god. Um, Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, Then we have his third husband, um, Travis Maldonado, who is an Aries. Um, and he is, he and Joe and John form this like thruple of like two teenage boys mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, Joe, they're called, as I saw on Twitter called methosexuals and we'll get into that later. <laughs> Think about the word. We'll come back to it later. Um, 
I think next person, obviously, Carol Baskin. Carol's a Gemini, which makes all the sense in the world to me. Mm-hmm. Um, she is going to be from for now and evermore Joe's mortal enemy. Um, she is the owner of Big Cat Rescue in Tampa, Florida. They're complete nemesis. Um, she has a late husband named Don Lewis who has passed. We'll touch on that later. Has and he current- passed? Well, well, <laughs> her current husband <laughs> named Harold. Um, she is definitely eccentric. She's, you know, all of these are very eccentric, and that's like putting it very lightly and very kindly. Characters. Um, and okay, so next we have. Well, like, picture, let's get into Carol, because she's gotten a lot of comparisons. I think the one most near and dear to our hearts is that she looks a lot like Deb's OG, Farrah's mother, Deb, from Teen Mom. I mean, it's not even just the look, it's the way that they communicate. There's a very, like, soft-spoken, but, like, sinister vibe to them like something isn't right even though they try to appear all like sweetness and light and hippie and zen Mm -hmm. something something ain't right there something in the milk is not clean yeah like Uh, if some cats go missing in your neighborhood you're like "Mm, just check that chick out over there because something ain't going on something ain't clean in the buttermilk over there here kitty kitty you know (laughs) um so (laughs) Third is Doc Antle, otherwise known as Bhagavan Doc Antle. Um, of course, this is like a white man. His real name is Kevin. Um, <laughs> yeah, and he looks like a Kevin. He looks just like a Kevin. <laughs> His big Kevin energy, for sure. Um, he is also a Pisces. Um, he is the owner of Tigers. Uh, that's, and what do you call it? When we get the periods and, and it means something else. <laughs> You're the one teaching all your children. I don't know. I've been out of school forever. I, um, the, um, T period, I period, G period, E oh, period, R period, it's S. A, it's a, God damn it. Now I don't, now I don't know. It's a, the only word I can think of is antonym. And I know that's not what it is. <laughs> oh, and oh. Uh, <sighs> stupid. Okay. Two, two dum-dums but, here. But it's tigers. <laughs> and then it stands for some stuff that he made up. Because he wanted to use tigers. That's why. Exactly. Okay. Um, so the tigers uh, rescue is in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. He also is a character within himself. He seems like the most intelligent, most polished people uh, person of the whole, like, we have a private zoo world that we see on the show. He, he seems like the least likely to be arrested, too. That he seems like yes. he keeps things very inward. I'm not saying least likely to be arrested because he does the least. I mean, like, he is not, like, just out here do, doing it for the gram. You know what I mean? Like, he, he seems like he can keep a, a few secrets. Right. Right. Um, oh, I think something's happening with my audio. Hold on one second. Okay. This. So, you okay? yeah, he's also a Pisces. Um, he also has his own quirks, which is a harem of women. 
uh, some of their names are Moshka, China, Rajni. There's a girl named Bala. It's a whole thing. We'll get into that later. <laughs> um, there's Saf, who is, I think, your favorite. Yeah, and see, on the um, on the show, they refer to Saf as a woman because they said a woman. Mm-hmm. The thing happened to her. But um, Saf is apparently a trans man. It's not. She's, excuse me, he's not a woman. Yes, they misgender him the whole time. They put on the Chiron, his name is Kelsey Saf, Safferty, yeah. or Safferty, but he goes by Saf. He is a trans man, and so we're going to use those pronouns that he prefers from now on. Yeah, I have um, no idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, then okay, we meet Jeff Lowe. He's a Scorpio, which makes a lot of sense. <laughs> he, he comes in eventually to be sort of like the money man, the financier behind the GW Zoo. Um, from there, we can go to Rick Kirkman. He is a Taurus. He was brought on to film um, Joe's reality show slash uh he also did like the internet show that Joe was obsessed with doing. Um, we meet James Garrison, who I wrote down as a former strip club owner slash current Chucky impersonator. Do you have <laughs> anything to add to that? Uh, no, that's exactly. <laughs> he, I think he does the bulk of his work around Halloween pretending to be Chucky. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, and then we have Alan Grover, who ends up being like the hired hitman. Um, Dylan Passage, who is Joe's new slash current husband. Don Lewis, who is the uh, deceased husband of Carol Baskin. Um, and that's basically the only people that you need to know. There are more characters, but they're not really that prevalent in the show. Okay, so we had some technical difficulties. We're starting over again. Things are fine. Everything's fine. Okay. Um, so let's get into the manipulation of the animals, basically in exchange for sex and fame and power. It, this is something that is runs through, like, if Joe, Carol, and Bhagavan Doc don't have anything else in common, it's very clear that they use these animals to lure people in to get a certain sense of fame to get a certain sense of power um doc and joe specifically use it for sex and relationships um how what are your thoughts about that well i don't and i know i'm about to offend a bunch of people but you're gonna have to just take it okay but (laughs) i already believe that people that it's much easier to be to love an animal. People who are just like, I like animals more than people. Well, duh, because they don't they don't have the they're not as complex as we are when it comes to our relationships. The relationships we have with other humans are super complex, but the relationships we have with animals, we can project all sorts of things on them because we're not speaking the same language. So we can't like we can sit there and and be like, well, this dog looks sad because. I'm leaving when maybe they're just sad because they want to go somewhere too. They, they don't necessarily care where the fuck you go. You like, we project all sorts of things on them and that has its purpose. But as someone who's worked with rescues and has done animal fostering and has worked in that kind of side of things, I'm going to tell you that a lot of times the biggest animal advocates are often like batshit crazy people. And they use 
animals to hide the fact that they have incredible social um, social issues and they hide behind the but they're like but you know I have like 40 dogs <laughs> like th- this is the type of things people do and so when I'm looking at Doc and Joe and even Jeff to a certain extent and Carol too you're right Carol too um, the fact that they use their proximity to these animals to like lure in other people to like think about the fact that Carol gets on her bike every day and says hey cool cats and kittens and <laughs> and puts all these videos on there she's huge on Facebook she's huge on YouTube this isn't because of her it's because of the animals she she gets she gets something out of this as well and Jeff is literally uh wheeling animals in bags up into a casino to lure people into having threesomes with him they're like this yeah, is, I mean, this, I'm not surprised by any of this. This is the type of people you meet at an animal rescue place. I'm just being honest. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Jeff, uh, Jeff, Joe, and uh, Doc were all really pretty open, and I think maybe that they weren't aware of this. They're pretty open about the fact that they could bag men, women, um young people especially i think is like the darkest part of it all is that all of them were attracted with the exception of carol to younger people and they use these like cute cuddly animals to lure people in to get attention for themselves to you know get themselves in certain circles special Uh, yeah the proximity to celebrity the proximity to beautiful women the proximity to young beautiful women the proximity to young men um said a little pussy gets you a lot of pussy yeah literally said that yeah i mean they're they're like predators basically at this point jeff jeff and and doc in particular and and joe uh yeah, it, it's a very interesting thing. The exploitation of the workers that work at this place is horrific. A chance to work with his little group of misfit toys that he collected and said, I'll give you the chance to do something special. Mm-hmm. Like, he's you. That's. And so, and the, like. The anybody, types of people that he was attracting, too. The types of people who were attracting people who couldn't work anywhere else, people that were willing whose whose situations were such that they were willing to work in exchange for a place to live in a hundred dollars a week or hundred and fifty dollars a week, whatever it was. Like there are lots of people who can't do that because they have a home. But if you don't have a home and you don't have anywhere you can work, you're a felon who can't get, you know, all that sort of thing. Like he would use those those things to lure people in. And Doc was the same way. Doc was luring people in to um Women in the, in terms of like, he was using spirituality and these animals to be like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to teach you mysticism. You know, I'm going to teach you what a tiger can teach you. I, Kara, I do want to ask you, have you ever petted a tiger cup or like an ant, a lion, like anything like this? No, I never pet, I don't think an exotic animal ever. Um, but they like kind of touch on that, like how I mean, there was a part where they were talking about how Joe would get people to call him, like if they found somebody at a bus station who wasn't leaving, then that they would go up there and basically like 
get like, hey, do you want a job? Do you want a meal tonight? Do you want a place to sleep? Okay, well, you can come work for me for 18 hours a day for nothing for, you know, for $20 a day. And, uh, you know, Bala slash Barbara, who escaped, we saw her talking about how, like, she basically was, you know, uh, and I I did some research on her. Basically, she was like a bad student. She found this opportunity. She, you know, she was feeling like left behind. She was like a D student in high school and was like, I don't have anything, any prospects. I'm like, friends are going to college like I found mm-hmm. this thing and and this was seemed like the perfect opportunity for me and it's always like these people who feel like for whatever reason don't have any other options or basically slaves to this job because you can't leave you can't you know you're ba- it's like a cult it's like you 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 know, if you if you want to go to your parents you can't really do that because you're working and like who's going to feed the tigers on Christmas, you know, like you have to be there um, yeah. because these people, these animals are vulnerable and they need you. And uh, you know, there's always work to be done. Um, Carol Baskin doesn't even pay any of her volunteers to uh, do the work that they do. And I no. think that's wild. That is so wild. To but me. I'm not, I'm also like not surprised by that because, well, I do have questions about, the difference between a rescue and a zoo, right? And I don't have all the answers to this, but my, like, what my layman mind would think is that at a rescue, you take in animals that from other places and you don't breed. And it's about um, either finding them a final place or taking care of them through the rest of their lives. And the Joe and Doc and a number of other characters that show up in this, their differences is that they acquire animals, they breed animals, um, and and they run for, they should be running for a profit. And if what Carol says she's doing is correct, she should be running at a nonprofit. And so I wish they had gone more into that, you know, about mm-hmm. like what the difference is between them and what like, because all we what the, see the documentary had a lot of like issues in it. One, it was too long. Two, it was they they did they go they went on with a lot of tangents. But the other thing is like we didn't get key information we should have had, which is like I want to understand what the main differences between these these operations are. So like if she is a nonprofit and she runs with five to 10 employees and then everything else is volunteers that sounds about right in the, in the rescue world. Even though I don't know about the idea of a volunteer being like, so you could just show up today and, and be in charge of the tiger. Like (laughs) that sounds like not a good idea. Even at the animal rescues I've worked at, like you have to, if you want to volunteer the first day, you make cat boxes <laughs> and then you do right. get good at that. And then after that, maybe, you know, there's all these little levels you go through. So I'm just wondering, like, I found that people, especially on Twitter and social media have been like the, choosing a person or an organization in this and being like, that's the person, that's the, the good guy. And I, it was harder for me because I just felt like there was so much information left out. They all seemed a, a smidge shady, even, like, I, I mean, it seemed like Joe's main 
uh, issue was the fact that, like, people want... Well, it's not even that people want them. It's, like, you can only have a big cat around people for so long before it comes like a huge liability so basically you have to keep breeding these cats so that they're kittens and so that they are able to be around people so that you can take pictures of them and like you know you can do right. it for the gram right. um they touched on the fact that there's like this whole genre of people on social on um dating apps that like will take pictures with tigers and stuff to try to like i would never swipe anywhere on anybody <laughs> <laughs> my first thought was this person's a lunatic <laughs> let me get right no, like, I haven't been on the dating apps in years at this point, but I do remember, like, the last time I was on it, there were a lot of people that were like, I don't care if you took a picture with a tiger. Like, that is not a personality trait, and that's not going to get you in my pants at all. So, yeah. it, I mean, it's, like, a very prevalent thing, and, I mean... But they can only do it for, like, 12 weeks, because right. at 12, like, once they get to a certain le- age, they... I mean, the playing that they do is not, is some, someone can get really hurt. And so right. I think in the doc, they said that you could make $100,000 off a, off a cub from birth to 12 weeks. And after that, they just cost you money. I mean, you know, uh, you could only have so many in cages around your, your land, but they, they cost a ton to feed. And yeah, and they get into the fact that like these people are paying buku bucks to go to this these sanctuaries and these private zoos like in the hundreds of dollars we see a guy who came there with his wife and kid and he they had been there twice that week and and he was like so obsessed and these people are like hardcore like i don't care what it costs like i want to see these baby tigers and lions i you know like the experience like it doesn't even matter to me like and i'm gonna come back again um it's you know it's very intoxicating and it's like you it's hard to blame people because like I said like I work with animals and you get it like you see these cute precious tiny little things and of course you want to take a picture of it of course you want to like hold it in your hands of course you want to like cuddle with it like that's mm-hmm. just kind of like human I mean if you like animals <laughs> then you do yeah but, I mean, I mean it, every, who doesn't love a puppy who doesn't love a kitten and a special kitten that you never that you most people don't get to touch. I get that part. I just, I don't know. I just feel like you're already suspect if that's your Tinder profile picture. Already, totally. I'm like, mm, I don't know about you. I so so one of the things that that every that apparently from the doc that Carol is is trying to stop is the private ownership of big cats and the breeding well i guess the breed is the breeding already illegal or is that something that she that she's trying to make into law um so there was like an act that she had and i think it might be all encompassing in terms of like overbreeding um you know using them as like you know like going to these like cat show yeah Yeah, the cub petting and all of that stuff which is big bucks so that puts because she's an advocate for that law and she's kind of pushing that and and that's her main thing. That puts her at odds with people like Joe, Doc, and a couple of the other people in the um, documentary because this is where they get their money from. The main, like this, like a hundred thousand dollars for over twelve weeks of the first twelve weeks of the club's life. And keep in mind that they're having four, five, six cubs at a time. Um, it's a lot of money. 
and then you can sell the young cub uh, to somebody who wants to collect, be a collector. Um, so this puts her at odds with these other people, and especially Joe, who she has like targeted. I mean, there's no other way to talk about it. She's targeted him as someone who per- who per- perpetrates animal abuse with his zoo and his breeding and the selling of these animals that is illegal. Correct. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It seems like, you know, Carol's kind of like the good person out of all of this, but then goodish. You know, we, yeah. Good ish. Nobody, everybody, I mean, Carol at best is like kind of an anti-hero. <laughs> um, but I mean, I think she's like maybe the objectively like best person out of the whole situation. She's a recycling bin next to three trash cans. She's <laughs> still full of trash. She's just dressing it up a little better. hundred percent. Couldn't have put it better myself. Um, so let's get into the, I guess the first episode is called Not Your Average Joe. And this is like our introduction to all things Joe Exotic. Like I said, he's a gay, gun-toting polygamist, uh, you know, like, you know, attention-seeking, larger-than-life kind of character. He loves the attention. Very country. So, like, we're both southern women i grew up in georgia you live in texas but like i don't know like georgia southern and texas southern is very different and texas southern to me seems more like oklahoma southern because you guys are closer yeah i guess Um, oklahoma though is i feel like is more midwest um and texas doesn't really consider itself as part of the south it's like the right. southwest it's it's very like you're right georgia and i grew up in virginia and like that type in maryland maryland kind of but it, those type of places are very different than J- oklahoma joe 100 percent. so like i saw a lot of people saying like oh these people are people that i grew up with but like this is not something that i can relate to like mm-hmm. um, on any level um so i'm one more of like a real housewives of atlanta southern than- <laughs> yeah yeah than anything else <laughs> and, and, and you know we go to sip and seas and black eyed peas on 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 new year's day but this so the thing about joe is he reminds me of like sometimes me and my husband will have to go to some other part of texas and you know there's all these small towns and we'll be like oh we need to get gas and my husband will be like mm, not here <laughs> right he a sundown so town if you will yes he reminds me of a place that like like he he looks like he'd be at a at a gas station, and I'd be like, "No, no, no, let's let's go a little further up. We don't want to. Mm-hmm. We don't want to stop here next to that guy." And I, he's fascinating because he's contradictions all the way. So he's very conservative in a lot of things, but he's very he's very much a redneck. I mean, look at that mullet. The top is blonde. The rest is brown. Yeah. And, <laughs> but he's also gay. He's in a polyamorous relationship. He loves guns. He loves to blow up things. Half this episode is watching him blow shit up and shoot shit. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it is his relationship with the guy who worked at the gun section in Walmart. And yeah, his, his relationship to, uh, you know, explosive powders and bullets and ammo. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> that that may have been his third husband, to be honest with you. Yeah, and so like, I... 
so this episode basically sets up who Joe is and sets up his his husbands and sets up how he got into this. And I mean, it's very difficult to pin Joe down. He like he is he's a million things. But the one thing I could say is that he is someone who adores attention. He is looking for the limelight at all costs. That's why he has Joe Exotic TV, which he thinks is a TV station, but it is an it's literally a domain name that you live stream on. I don't know why he thinks he, yeah. he probably gets more views on Instagram Live. I don't know what. <laughs> <laughs> what is he talking about? Yeah, I mean, he did something, yeah, like you said, called Joe Exotic TV, and I think that they would say that, like, his views would be, like, in the dozens, <laughs> and he would he would do the show every single day. Every day, and mostly he'd talk about Carol, okay? So, that's what he His hatred about. of Carol, yeah. And he'd talk about her, he, so... Part of the thing is, is that as we get as we get to the Carol episode, we'll talk more about it. But they they really want to set this as like so. This this documentary is really about Joe versus Carol. They so they really want to talk about. They really want to give us this thing that these are equally bad people, um, or at least they try. But it's really hard because the way Joe is on all his. Re- By the way, he recorded everything. He has tons and tons of like this is this they didn't record him. This is his stuff. So like. The way the stuff he's talking about, the stuff he's doing, the like all these things, I'm makes him so gross. Like yeah. he is disgusting. The that blow up doll he would have on Carol, that and he was sticking a dildo in its mouth over it. Like what is going on? What is going on? But yeah, I mean, he's like a true up. narcissist to the point where like he loves himself so much that he doesn't even notice or understand that he's his own worst enemy in terms of like like yeah like you said like the fact that he had everything filmed that he was saying things that were extremely uh incriminating (laughs) um he leaves such a paper trail of just like horrific and illegal behavior that it's like how could you be so stupid but it's just like he's such a um, what's the parable where the guy like ends up drowning because he's looking at his reflection in the river? Um, that's narcissist, isn't it? Narcissist, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like he's so in love with himself, and he's so in love with the fact that like he's this god of his own making that like he just shoots himself in the foot every like at every corner. It's an incredible yeah. thing to watch. And when he's talking about, so he both his husbands are like a month out of high school when they meet him, and he's. I think he's at least 20 years, sometimes 30 years older than them, depending on which mm-hmm. one you're talking about. And he is so in love with himself that he can't even realize that there's no way these people, like all the, like Doc 2, Jeff 2, they don't even realize that the reason these people are with them, they it's like they convince themselves of something else. Like a 19-year-old boy that you buy a truck and shit for and weed for and meth for is not going to be like, just write that down on paper and add it up. Maybe like, it's not, he's not in love with you. (laughs) And so like, but he can't even tell that. And we get so throughout the whole doc, we get so many shots of him like doing stills, doing um, video, doing like doing marketing stuff. He loves to take a picture of himself and he'd be directing people and he'd be like, having a tiger on his head. And if we get to the part where his country music, so we talk about his country music, which 
I think, I guess he didn't sing it, but I guess people are really shocked by that. Because yeah, I don't know how, because he has a very distinct voice and a very right. distinct accent, and the person singing did not. Yeah. I mean, so I, I did see that, and they obviously he did not um, do any of that, but they said that they let him do like light vocals. <laughs> um, oh. So they, they did like a and little Ashley track Simpson where he was at a, Saturday Night Live. And Ashley about. Simpson and Jennifer Lopez when Ashanti's really singing, that oh. sort of thing. Um, and the voice yeah. is so deep. His voice is high. You know what I love, Kara? You know one of the things I love about this doc about how. Everyone did their impression. Even that Chucky doll did an impression of Joe at some point. <laughs> like, well, where is it? How much does it cost? <laughs> I died every time someone did an impression of him. <laughs> was like, it was always you know, good. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. But yeah, like, so, so for people who haven't watched this, the first episode is all about giving, making the man the myth about his zoo, about, like, we talked about, about how he took in misfit toys and basically gave them a rundown trailer and taught them how to be um tiger handlers and just how much he built himself up as this mythological person in this small town um with his zoo and how important that was to his ego and to who he thought he was he thought he was a very very important man yeah. And it's almost worth it's also worth mentioning that like pretty much everybody involved in this documentary, not even just as employees, has like a criminal background, which like you don't want to necessarily like demonize these people for, you know, having been in jail, but you do see a lot of shady behavior and you see why Joe would want to associate himself with people that would be willing and able to do these like illicit things for him um first of all because they don't have a choice because they don't really have options after getting out of jail but secondly mm-hmm. just i mean even like from you know even like the friends that he associated with were all criminals, criminals. Chucky doll was all a criminal. sketchy all sketchy people at one point they were like talking about how the chucky doll stole a hummer and sold it and he goes that's a criminal offense there are no charges he never said he didn't do it. I was like, so you stole it, right? You're just telling us you didn't get charged for it? I'm just like, mm, I've never been to jail for that. Right. <laughs> That's a criminal talk for I haven't been caught yet. What are you it, saying? Exactly. That's just, uh, every person involved has some sort of criminal past. <laughs> um, do you have any takeaways from episode one that you no. that we have not touched on? No. Okay. <laughs> So, secondly, the second episode is called Cult of Personality, and we kind of touched on this, like, how everybody is manipulated, how um, Doc was able to, like, land these girls. We get uh, a lot of interviews with a girl named Barbara, um, who was part of Doc's kind of, like, harem workforce, whatever you want to call it, Uh, a little bit of both, (laughs) and um, just kind of how... They were able to get these people to work these long hours to dedicate their whole lives uh, to the cause. And I'm putting that in quotes. Um, uh, yeah, I, I thought the interview with Barbara was really compelling. Um, how she, you know, how Doc Antle wanted to, you know, he, he had this like idea. It was kind of very much like a, like a Playboy situation where mm. the girls had to have this bright look. They joined, they were all like kind of 
in this relationship, this kind of weird relationship with him. And it's sort of like, if you don't flirt with him, if you're not sexy, if you don't look a certain way, if you're not dating him, having sex with him, whatever, then like you were sort of the outcast. And like these women were sort of manipulated into wanting to impress him by any means necessary. Right. And also if you were to ask them, especially the ones that are still in it, the ones that he's married and the ones that he's having kids with, like, they would be like, no, I was super attracted to him. But what you have to understand is that if you're living in a horse stall where there's cockroaches everywhere and you have to work 18 hours a day and there's a guy that can change that for you and by being sexual with him that can change, it's much like being on The Bachelor, okay? Like, if yeah. there's one steak dinner tonight and... <laughs> I'm in love with this person and I have to be in love with this person to go, well, then maybe I'm in love with him. I don't know. That's all we're talking about. Maybe I am in love with him. And so, I mean... And they're all super young. Yeah, they're all super young. I keep talking about this, guys. I watch Hustlers and all I need to tell you is that if Jennifer Lopez in that movie put me in her little fur coat and carried a picture of me around in her purse, she could have me robbing banks by day two. It's so easy to get involved in that and someone who's very confident and so especially someone who's the kingdom of their domain and you're only in their domain you don't see them from any other perspective than what they're giving you yeah yeah of course they're doing that um i think i think the fact that they never come out and tell us that that doc is the leader of a cult like they let doc talk and i just remember watching it and going oh Oh, 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 wait, this is a cult. This is a cult, right? And yeah. It's, they never, like, the, the documentary never goes, Doc Antle, leader of this cult. He never does that. And you know, I mean, if I feel like, if anything, they kind of like paint this rosy view of him and mm-hmm. like the fact that he was sort of like self directing these yeah. people and being like, hey, get me a shot, get a shot of me here. Do that, do that, and that it would completely fall in line. Like the people, the production people <laughs> that have put up their yeah. own money. Like the minute he spoke to him, they were like, "Yeah, okay, we can, you can do that." Like n- no problem whatsoever. It's it's yeah. very very strange. And he's yeah, used to hear... being, he's used to being obeyed, though. You can tell. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, he speaks with such an authority that it's almost like it before. It's like you're doing things for him before you even know that you're doing things for him, and you wouldn't yeah. shouldn't be listening to him. And He's not a zoologist, by the way. He's not. So you might think he's a doctor of zoology. Of zoology, he's not. Another character's wife. They asked him what he was a doctor of. She's like mysticism, and I'm like, <laughs> mm, are you giving out doctorates for that? You know what? Maybe they are. I don't fucking know. I I think though, for me, the, first of all, just him on the screen grated on my fucking nerves. Like just imagining him trying to tell me what to do got on my fucking nerves. But. Remember, Doc's Doc's enterprise is for profit. It is for like like you're you're not furthering some cause by working there eighteen hours a day and help. Like the money doesn't go back. Like they don't they don't buy the tigers extra food. It is, right. It doesn't. It's it's then he gets more money and he gets he he gets more cars and stuff. And so. For all those, I'm I'm sure those women that are there are not stupid. And also, it's all women. Think about that too. It's all women. It yeah, it's it, it's all women. It's all women. they all like 
have this vibe. He makes them adopt a vegetarian lifestyle. He made this woman get uh, a boob job. And she said the only, like she said, I don't remember even like saying yes or no to this, but frankly, I have been working so hard that I just needed like a few days off of a break. So I figured, you know, like put some saline (laughs) in my body. I can get to rest. Like, I mean, those are the extremes that these people are taking. And it's like truly sick. Mm -hmm. But if you're laying in your cockroach-ridden um, horse stable and thinking about working 18 hours a day another day, suddenly yeah. this makes a lot of sense. You're like, yeah, I should get a boob job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was talking about how, like, there were the roaches were so prevalent that, like, she would go to make a sandwich, there'd be a bunch of roaches in the bread, and she would just, like, push them away. Like, whatever. Like, oh. living in total squalor in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Like, yes crazy to me except for when you put on your cat suit so you so doc can walk you around for the for the people who paid him all this money to come in there get out of here yeah mm-hmm. and mm, okay. and the changing of their names which is extremely cult-like absolutely it's one of the problems i have with prince <laughs> people <laughs> I, mean, I mean let's not forget he changes people's names okay yeah <laughs> so, yeah and, and Barbara was like, you know, like, that was just, like, one of the things he did. She's like, I, if I'm going by another name, then that's, like, the first and biggest step towards, like, a complete, uh, you know, like, indoctrination into this, like, situation. It's very scary. Yeah, really scary. Family. I bet you're not getting, I mean, I bet you don't have your cell phone. I bet you're not getting calls and stuff. It's, and one of the things she pointed out is that, Everyone's always free to leave. Even at Joe's place where he's basically taking Don trotting people and kind of like trapping him in the system of that you only have a certain amount of money and this is this is where you get your shelter from. So it's not like you can afford to save and leave. And so but everyone's always free to leave. But one of the things she pointed out is that every cult says that. Every cult yep. says you're always free to leave. Yep. But they're not locking doors against you. They are using mind games to to convince you that you're not free to leave that's different yeah and and you don't have any money yeah you have separated yourself from everything that you knew your family your friends what have you um yeah and it's like you've dedicated your whole life and and these animals are vulnerable and they need you and it's like how can you leave Oh yeah, they'll tell you it's for the animals as if the animals are not living on a multi-million dollar compound owned by by this man who has all this money and resources. (laughs) But if you don't get up at 4 a.m., they're going to (laughs) die. Yeah, I mean, these animals are eating $10,000 worth of food a month, which is more than you make in an entire year. (laughs) So, I mean, it's crazy. And I don't know if this was this episode or the first episode where they talked about the meat truck. The Walmart meat truck? Oh, um, was it the sec? I think it may have been. Yeah, it, it may have been the second episode where they get into, uh, basically like they kind of talk about and touch on like how much it takes to feed these animals, uh, per month. Yeah, because four hundred pound animals. Right, and so Doc was saying, Doc Antle was saying that it was like ten thousand dollars a month per animal 
for him but then joe went and said like he does like he tries to put it at like six thousand dollars a month and the way he is able to do that is that he had a relationship with like the local walmart the local stores but they would take like expired meat uh what he said is that like if people go to the grocery store they you know they get up to the counter and they can't afford the food that he said you know like oh they can't put this meat back but so they ended up giving it to us but it doesn't have a certain temperature Right. More than likely, this is just like straight up expired meat. And so yeah. the way he was feeding the his employees and the way the employees were getting food was that he would, you know, the truck would come in every day with all these like hot dogs and whatever. And they would get first dibs of like the best food that they could find. Um, there was a the guy who was just excited that the one package of meat he found was still frozen. Yeah, and then. Yeah, and then whatever they didn't take would go to the animals. So, I mean, I don't feel like tigers should be on a steady hot dog diet. I mean, <laughs> far be it for me to well, say. good enough for me. How come they can't have <laughs> Get a little ballpark um, and have a great day. I, I mean. Things too. They had cows. They had horses. People were donating animals for them and. Yeah, um, people with farms that would have like dead cattle that they'd come and like just give it to them and uh, things that they would see on the side of the road. Um, I, to me, this is like, I mean, <sighs> tigers and lions are not native to America. So <laughs> I, I'm just like, how, how, how is this working with their digestive system? Well, I don't know. They definitely showed us, like, between Doc and Carol and Joe, that Joe's animals were fed the crappiest it seemed yeah. like carol and doc were like no we gotta feed them right <laughs> we do yeah. need to buy this they seemed like they were getting nice decent like cuts of meat and they were like they like that they were following the approved guidelines of how you must feed these animals as opposed to joe who was just riding down the street going that cow looks sick offer him three dollars right. and throw him in the back <laughs> like that's how joe was acting and it's crazy but he is the trashiest part of it and then doc is the scariest part for me because someone who's quiet and someone who can get away with things is scary to me i think there's a lot of secrets on doc's uh land and joe was the trashiest part he just seemed like he couldn't keep a secret to save his fucking life and right he's very like michael scott in that way like yes like yeah can't keep a secret because he just wants to be like your friend and so he'll just he'll like it's just too much for him to handle yes yes absolutely um and is the second episode when they talk more when they talk about how the producer came in to start helping him with geoexotic.tv and started um, to film a reality tv show or is that later the, that is episode four okay um, so then, I mean, episode two really sets us up for the story of Carol Baskin, um, which gets us, episode three is pretty much all about Carol and her life and the death of her husband. Um, did you have anything else from episode two? Nope. Let's hit three. Okay. Let's talk about Carol and that dead Don. <laughs> so. Actually, when I said, is he dead? It's because they have reopened his case and they yes. were like he'd be 87 years old now and this I'm like guys he's not alive <laughs> he didn't just forget who he is and he's just hanging out in Tampa that's not how it happened 
<laughs> he opened a he opened like a, a bicycle shop in Tampa and he just decided he didn't want that's not what happened. He's not 87 years old, he's dead. <laughs> anyway, remember cool. when Olivia Newton John's boyfriend went missing and then they found him in Canada like years no. later? <laughs> you don't know that story. No. He went missing for like a long time and then they found him like years later in Canada and they're like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> Where have you been this whole time? Um, yeah, he just like dipped. It, it was a very strange story. Um, this is not what happened here because Don no. had a lot of money and nobody dips without their money. Correct. So how do we start with Carol? I mean, we meet Carol as obviously as an adult as she's in the midst of like running Big Cat Rescue. She's, you know, this is going to be a hard thing for you. So let me just finish my sentence before we get into it. She loves, <laughs> loves an animal print. It's not even, it's an, a dress code for her, a uniform for her, but it's also like heavily uses decor everywhere that she is. She loves an animal print. She doesn't even care about matching them. She just cares. No. She doesn't care about like, I'm not saying matchy matchy. I'm not saying wearing zebra print all up and down. I'm not saying that. But yeah. I'm saying like she'll be wearing like an orange leopard shirt with I don't know, green. Like a true cheetah print pants. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just yeah. like, why are you doing that? Why? <laughs> it's like you hate me. Why would you do that to me, Carol? <laughs> See, you have an issue with, with animal prints. Animal prints, and I have an issue like I, to be clear, I just don't like there are very rare occasions animal prints are good and carol is especially bad at it because she just she she's the type of person that if you went past walmart and they had a cheetah print shirt she'd be like oh good and she just put it in her wardrobe and just wear it and she didn't care how she wore it she didn't care it's just she's horrible she dresses like a three-year-old that you let dress himself yes <laughs> exactly they don't give any care to stuff and then because she's become this cat lady like it's her persona like she's sitting at the camera going i don't watch the news unless there's a cat involved and right. <laughs> but she's she's really gone involved into this so doing it helps you helps her yeah, I mean, it definitely makes her more known. She's got this long blonde hair. She's got, like, a very zen vibe about her. She's very soft-spoken. She's very, like, just, like, super chill. She's super, super chill vibes from her. But, again, yeah. there's something something bubbling under the surface with Carol I mean, Baskin. you see those young pictures of her? She was a smoke show, beautiful. okay? She was beautiful. I mean, she's not ugly now. I mean, she's just older. That's all. But I'm just saying, as a young woman, like, when she met Don, that yeah i mean that's like she's got that whole like 70s 80s vibe where it's like oh bitch like i know that you were getting all the dick that you wanted like (laughs) like she she really like you know some people are like 80s fine 90s fine 70s fine 2000s fine like she was like in her bag at the perfect moment she's like a stunning natural beauty um so basically she meets don lewis her second husband i found out she actually had a husband prior to that yep um and she, she had a daughter she 17 yeah yeah she had a daughter from from that marriage who works at big cat rescue now but she met don her second husband because she had gotten into an argument with the husband is that what happened and then she yeah, was so like she threw a potato at him yeah <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like you do. Um, like, I don't believe any of this fucking story, by the way, Kara, about this. This is how I met Don. About so, this chance meeting? 
No. So keep in mind <laughs> that the, the so Carol's story is basically she was gang raped when she was fifteen, and she came up from a very religious family that just believed that something like that happened to you, then you were doing something to 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 bring that on yourself. And so she left home at fifteen. She's supposedly just going up and down the coast. I wouldn't be surprised if some sex work was involved. Whatever. Um, she gets married at seventeen to an abusive dude. Uh, she get they have a baby. One night she throws a potato at him and she leaves because she's got in a fight and he's gonna kill her. And where her kid is, I guess he's she's over there with the killer. I you know what I mean? Like she's she's just getting out of the house. She's walking down the street, a car drives up, it's Don in the car. He says, Get in, I just want to talk to somebody, which is I guess how you talk to people, right? You just roll <laughs> up on them, you say, Get in, I just want to talk. Not creepy at all. Yeah. And then she says, no. And he drives away and comes back. This time he's got a gun on the seat. And he says, um, you can hold this gun on me the whole time, but I just want to talk. So she says, okay. And gets in the car and holds the gun on him. Now that's a real meet cute. Yeah, a real meet cute. That's what's in the doc. Um, apparently, uh, there's a podcast which I never heard of called Joe Exotic. And it goes yeah. further into that first night and all these kinds of things that what Don was like and that meeting. It's a weird relationship. But he was married, she was married, and eventually he leaves his wife and two kids for her. Yes. So Don Lewis is a millionaire of his own making, but also very humble about it. Like, you saw him on the street, he's just wearing a jeans and a t-shirt. Like, you would never, ever know that this guy was a multimillionaire. They don't even know, like, nobody can even guess, like, how many millions he even had. Like, they ask the lawyer, they're like, oh, maybe seven million. Somebody says 20 million. Somebody says 10 million. Like, he would hide they gold They the handyman. Like, the handyman <laughs> was, was up in his bank account. Dude, he doesn't know how much he was worth. He just right. knew that he'll... Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he's a multi-multi-millionaire. They, his daughters, they interview his daughters and his ex-wife. It basically like everything he touched turned to gold. Like he just was like, he just had that spirit of business on him. But he was also very humble. So he had the the wife and the two daughters. And basically as soon as he and Carol met, it was donezo. Like shout out to Troy McKeady. Uh, it was done. Yeah. It was like... They well, were. He's been cheating on that wife a long time. He, right. She said that she married him, the first wife. He was 17 and she was 14 when they got married. Yes. Whew. And so, and then <laughs> he'd been cheating on her the entire time. But with Carol, he left her. By the way, guys, when you watch this, you will see there will be scenes where the ex wife and the two daughters are sitting together talking. If these are like the most bitter bitches in the entire world, <laughs> truly they, look like Cinderella stepsisters. They are like yes, fucking pissed. They have green fumes of bitterness coming the fuck off them. Okay, yeah. they are mad, and I'm not saying that people don't have a right to be mad, but it made me more on Carol's side because I was like, these women are so bitter looking, and yeah, they look like they're mad that Carol and Don got together, which is understandable, but. I'm not going to believe what they have to say about whether Carol killed Don, okay? Because they sound like they're just out to get her. So anyway, they listen. do. They sound like haters. Right. So they're so they're married they're married, they start um I guess they buy their first bobcat at an auction to save it from being like killed by a uh what is it? A uh 
a taxidermist, and then later on they buy some more, and and they start a company called Wildlife on Easy Street. I think it's called. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that name, but fine. And this is how Big Cat Rescue started. And at first they were breeding. They were doing a lot of, they were having like cub pettings and things like that. And eventually Carol came up with the mind that she didn't want to do it anymore. Um, I guess according to the podcast, again, I haven't listened to the whole thing. I've only heard like a couple of snippets that she was breeding and selling them and she thought they would go to homes, but unfortunately, but finally she went to an auction where she saw an animal that she thought she, that she knew she bred up for auction. And then she realized that she didn't want to do it anymore. This is why Joe's always talking about how these are things she used to do. Yeah, she did used to do this shit. And her and Don, as they got older, first of all, he's still a serial philanderer. He's still someone who's cheating on her all the time. And they're 20 years (laughs) apart, by the way. And yeah. some, and she, I guess she thought he wasn't going to be cheating anymore. And his dick thought otherwise, because he still <laughs> was out there swinging it. And so, and so they, they have problems with that. They have problems with money stuff. Um, they also are starting to um, feel differently about the animals. He is more of a collector, like right. a Joe or a doc or something like that. And she feels like she doesn't want to, like, she, she'd she like to go more towards rescuing rather than collecting. Whatever. Yeah. It seems like their paths between Carol and Joe are very, like, opposite. Like, Joe started with the rescue and then got into breeding. And Carol started with breeding and then went into the rescue game. Right. Um, which is an interesting thing. Um, so, yeah, she... Yeah, they seem to have, like, disagreements. They had, like, a really contentious marriage. Um, mm-hmm. Joe happened to get a hold of her diary somehow, talking about how, like, she wanted out of this relationship, how it was torture. That and, was like, so gross to me, Kara. That so was exploitative. So, like, why? Like, if I had been in Joe's employee or the people around, I'd be like, Joe, like, I understand that you guys are opposed, diametrically opposed on what should happen with big cats and stuff, but I don't think that this is necessary. I don't. I don't feel like this is gonna make anything look. It. It made him look fucking terrible. I mean, that is shooting a blow up doll with her name tag on it. Like that wasn't great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it's also worth very much worth mentioning that throughout the episodes, it's sort of this like this like uh, the how do you call it the like. Big, like, we see that, like, Carol and Joe have this sort of, like, what seems petty at the beginning, like, issues with each other. But then, like, the thread throughout the episodes is how Joe just completely gets more and more unhinged, more and more fixated on Carol, more and more violent in his approach towards how he's going to handle things with Carol, more just, like, really, it it gets to a really sick level. And this is, like, the, yeah. Which is exactly why when we get to the part about the case, I don't understand why people think he didn't do this. Yeah. So, okay, so anyway, so Don and them. Don's gonna leave Carol. He's telling everybody about it. Apparently he's telling the handyman. They're out there taking out garbage cans. He's like, I'm gonna leave Carol. And (laughs) he's telling everybody. Ex-wife too. Goes up to the ex-wife's house. Gonna leave Carol. (laughs) And In, See, like and, there were, there was no mistaking that they were having like a really, they were in a really bad way. Yeah, and he's someone who cuts people out of their will. He's someone like he, he, he's got money for a reason. Okay, so 
then apparently one day he's going back and forth to Costa Rica with the cats and doing all kinds of stuff. Shady stuff there, but I mean, the, they don't tell us exactly what shady stuff, but we just know it's shady. So finally he tells, he, he's, he's going to Costa Rica and he tells the handyman to get the truck because he's going to go to Costa Rica. Nobody sees him again. Okay. Right. Then Carol shows up. She, so no one knows where she's gone. Apparently she was out. Her brother's a, a sheriff's deputy and they saw her with her car broken down. And there's some sort of weirdness with that. And once he's missing, everyone's like, no, fucking Carol killed him. Especially his secretary. Who, by the way, I can tell by the set of her thin little lips, was in love with Dawn. They <laughs> fucked. I don't know. what. Maybe they never fucked at all. But she was in love with Dawn. She yeah. loved Dawn. Yeah. And so they go down. So her and her daddy... Carol and her daddy go down to the to the uh, to the office. They break into the office. Um, the police come and everything. But I mean, she's the wife. She's not breaking into anything. Just the fact she she's off the alarm and she gets in there. And the secretary says that underneath her desk, underneath her desk, where her and Don used to lay together, was two was two copies of a, a power of attorney and a will. And that those things were removed that day. And when Carol produced the documents, they they no longer said that the secretary was the executor of the will and the power of attorney. They now said that Carol was, and they included a line saying, upon my disappearance, which yeah. does not appear in power of attorneys because no one ever thinks they're going to disappear. Right. So this is all the, the shady things that have led to people being like, okay, she obviously did that she, shit. she did it. <laughs> They think he's under the septic system. Here's the problem I have with this documentary. Like, you could easily convince me that Carol did this. I'm I'm pretty, like, 90% sure. But everyone's talking throughout it going, well, you know, the cops didn't look. The cops didn't do this. The sheriff's deputy was her brother, and they told him not to look. This is not at all how things happen when, the, when a multimillionaire gets dis disappears so there his family had been on hard copy all these there's no way like it shows that they went and they dug up all around the fucking place and they investigate all these things they're talking like they went out and talked to carol for 10 minutes and then that was the end of it that is not the end of it they really really looked and i feel like if they didn't catch her you know it's catch me if you can bitch <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean feel bad yeah, Carol had um, a lot of things to say about how the documentary was portrayed, especially, obviously, her, how she was portrayed. Um, I think she called it salacious, and they, she and her current husband, Howard, are, like, really upset with how she was portrayed. Um, wow. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, it, it seemed like every theory that, like, uh, you know, the secretary and the daughters and the mother had about like how she could have done it. Oh, this is another thing that Carol had a big issue with is that when they mentioned the meat grinder, so first they thought that like maybe she's main theory. And I think the main thing that everybody accepts is that she fed them to the tigers. Um, there was another option that she um, uh, put him under a septic tank. And then another option that, she uh like chopped his body up and put it in a swamp i think was one option and then there was one that like maybe she put his body parts up and put it in a meat grinder her main gripe about the uh documentary was that the meat grinder that they showed was much larger and than the meat grinder that she actually has on her property 
Um, she says, like, well, the meat grinder that they showed seemed like, yeah, you could definitely put body parts in that. But she said hers, the one that she has is actually much smaller than that. Um, and she also had, like, the excuse of, like, oh, you know, like, tigers have, you know, like, they wouldn't have been able to, like, go through all of that meat. Like, um, there was just, like, a lot of back and forth. So, what? yeah. Kara, if you were going to plot the death of your husband, wouldn't it have been easier just to put something in his drink and then take him out to one of the cages and let him get mauled and be like... Right. And then then there's the body and everything. I'm not... Again, I'm not saying she didn't do it. I don't know... Like, people who think it's impossible that she did it, I don't know what they're smoking. Like, it... She probably did do it, but I just feel like First, the the people they used to talk about it were so bitter. It made me just be like, I hope she did do it. And <laughs> I'm I'm tired of this ex-wife hollering about how she didn't get an inheritance. Bitch, why would you get an inheritance? You weren't married. He she was married to him for what was it, 10, 15 years? Isn't Carol was. Girl? Yeah. 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 So you've been divorced for 10, 15 years. Why did you think you were gonna get an inheritance? The daughters are grown. His he seems like a type of dick that uh disinherits people. I just and well, and Carol even said that. Like she said that he initially wanted to take them at, to not give them a trust, but she felt like that was a bad decision. That down the line he would come to regret that. So she kept them. She says that she kept a trust for the girls. Yeah. But it, they said that they only ended up getting what like ten percent of what they thought that they basically were in like a legal battle for years and that they yeah. just only got like a very small percentage of what they believe his, you know, total. And I, thing I was. guess the other thing that like, so again, this might be more about me than them, but I just really hate people that think they're entitled to inherit things from people. Like it's not your money. And if they don't give it to you and like, I don't know if, if you're like, I don't know, 60 when your daddy dies, because y'all look old as fuck. If you're 60 <laughs> when your daddy dies and you only got $300,000, I don't know what to tell you. Like, like get yeah. over yourselves. But they, they were in a nice house. I don't know whose house that was, but they, they were very nice. nice. Yeah, it's probably the mama's house. They're in a nice house. They've been and keep it. And also the other thing they don't they don't talk about enough in this documentary is how they have been suing how Don and the ex-wife have been going back and forth over a settlement for years. Yeah. And like the idea that you guys didn't inherit as much as you thought you were going to can, can keep it in mind that you and your father were going back and forth. And yeah, I understand why he married this 20 year old younger chick. He's running around here with these tigers and going to Costa Rica. He sounds like a dick, but <laughs> that's not the same as I know she did it. And here's the proof. That's not the same thing. I just feel like unless they have some proof, move the fuck on. And right. she doesn't like her voice is so like, like zannied out. <laughs> <laughs> And maybe she is on Xanax, but also I also think she's been talking about this for years. She's mm-hmm. been retelling the story. She's been on the news for years. This is brought up every Joe was bringing it up every year. Did you see the part where where he was doing one of those animations where he was pretending like his eyes and lips were done? He was like, "Get me out of this goddamn septic tank." I was Do you like, remember? <laughs> Do you remember from like the beginning of yes. like internet videos, yes. like? We don't have the food. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, yeah. we like the moon. 
was like, Joe, do, do this. Joe <laughs> didn't know how to do it. You know he didn't. Someone showed him how to do that. <laughs> you make sure to get my handlebar mustache over Carol Baskin's face so you can tell. Um, oh man, it, I mean, it was such like, but yeah, she, Carol, all of her excuses were very ironclad. They all made sense, like to me. So like, even if. Together. Sure, sure. <laughs> Even I, if she did that shit, she had every answer underneath the sun to explain her behavior and, and how things could have actually gone. But here's the question who helped her? Because the handyman's not on her side, okay? Right. It was her daughter. She Howard wasn't there yet. She met Howard later. Um I guess what I'm saying is that I just feel like either come with the evidence or don't. And then also, I can totally believe that she forged some documents. I can totally believe that she, like, I can believe Carol's a bitch. Like, that she's all soft-spoken, but also she'll transfer some land deeds into her name from your daddy's name to keep you from inheriting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. That sounds like what some Florida bitch that loves to be around cats would do. Yeah. But (laughs) I'm also like... All's fair in love and war at this point. And you guys seem incredibly unlikable. So I'm glad she killed your daddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I went wrong. That's what it is. Uh, okay. So shout out to Ashley Consul. She wanted us to validate her feelings of her problematic queen, Carol Baskin. And I think we just did that. Do you care a lot about the fact that she killed him? No. <laughs> That's like a, a dick. You know how I feel about men in general. I don't really. Yeah. Whatever. Every man can fend for themselves. Sixties <laughs> or something. He seemed fine. He seemed like he was okay. He obviously had a very full life. You know. He probably had gonorrhea from like prostitutes <laughs> in Costa Rica. Do you really think he was doing down in Costa Rica? Blow. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, silver. that's what he was what doing down in Costa Rica. What else could he do? He was, like selling yeah. exotic tigers and like banging chicks, like. That's now, what I would be doing. Cut to 10 days from now. They find his body at the end of a ravine in one of the small planes. <laughs> and we're like, oh, shit. Sorry, Carol. <laughs> yeah, he's buried down on Easy Street. That's yeah. where she's biking over every day. Um, so-, <laughs> I, they, I, so one of the other things in this episode is that this is where they try to establish Carol as a villain. All right. This documentary yeah. really wants you to think that they are that Carol is the villain. She has money. She uh, she got the money from her husband, she, her dead husband who she killed. She's swapping out wills. She's uh, taking on these other people and trying to ruin their livelihoods. I have a problem with that, especially the part where, they're, where the ex-wife is like, we got to cease and desist from Carol. Like, yeah, bitch, you're on TV saying I killed this man with no right. evidence. <laughs> right. You're going to cease and desist. Hell yeah. And they're like, well, we're scared of her. Everyone's scared of her. The only c- the crime that I believe she's committed is somehow getting her elderly husband, <laughs> killing him and, and burying his body on a tiger farm. It's not, <laughs> she's not going to do that to you. And if that's a crime, then lock me up, okay? <laughs> it's not like she's going to show up at your house with a tiger and kill you. So you stop it. You fucking You're stop kidding, it. Kitty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're scared of her. I can't believe she sent us a cease and desist because we called her a murderer on a hard copy. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
how he's going to explain what happened to his many yes. dozens of fans and how he's going to market this for himself. He thinks he's a television star. He thinks he thinks he's on the same level as George fucking Clooney, that he is a star. <laughs> I cannot when he was rehearsing that, when he was like, mm, no, we say it like this. okay, should I say Ali? <laughs> like he is no, like he's literally like like Anderson Cooper on the front lines of Syria, like yes. burning in a flame, an everlasting flame of, uh, you know, like whatever the fuck he said. He said a, a towering inferno, of fire and and flames, or something like that. A towering <laughs> inferno of fire and flames. He needs a fucking writer. And he he said it like you're right. You're exactly right. He said it like the people were like they're gonna have to get the news, and I need to need to tell them what happened because this is where they're gonna get their information. I just want people to stay informed. Towering inferno of fire and flames. <laughs> the alligators are gone. Everybody's horrified. You know, Joe is like a pig and shit. Like now he knows, like he can use sympathy, very much like Jax Taylor. Like mm-hmm. I went from the hero, something died, and now I'm the good guy. And you guys have to help me because I'm the good guy, right? And something bad happened to me. Yes, um, he's taking donations. He's doing a video where he's claiming Carol climbed her ass over the fence and set the fence. Yeah, they're they're Carol. offering a bounty for her any information that you have on her um if you have any evidence we'll double the amount of money that you can get so this is where i found my fun fact i'm getting chills just talking about it okay okay (laughs) so so this is an excerpt from oh my gosh i don't know where this is from okay you're gonna die. Oh my god, where is this shit? Okay, so <laughs> you've lost the smoking gun. <laughs> oh, because uh, I attached it rather than put a link on it. Okay, so are you ready? For, do you want? Do you want to guess? Okay, if you if you had to guess, um, let's just say that Joe did not own these alligators. They were owned by a famous oh, person. Oh, they're Michael Jackson's alligators. Yes. <laughs> but why were they there? Do you know? Why would I don't know? This is all I have. The expert excerpt is Michael Jackson's beloved pet alligators were killed in a fire at an exotic animal park in Oklahoma, according to Joe. The late pop star's seven alligators and a crocodile died in the March 26th blaze that also destroyed a video production studio at the Gerald Wayne Interactive Zoologic, Zoo, Zoological Park in Winniewood, Oklahoma, said owner Joe Scharfvogel. Um, yeah, so he said, boiling Carol, alive in a towering an inferno. That was the quote. Carol is lucky Michael Jackson is dead because he might have went after her. Because <laughs> I'm sure Carol had him on her hit list too. Because think about it, Michael Jackson had all those fucking animals. Um, yeah, where he was bubbles? Just, that he was using to, to lure in small children, manipulating them. Like, Jesus Christ. But yeah. But this also speaks to what they were talking about, how how these all these characters are interconnected because people are trading animals. They're selling animals, housing animals. Like, you know, they were talking about how they just, how workers would just be like, well, I drove a truck. Right. Uh, with two cubs in. This is, this is how Michael Jackson got his animals, by the way. This is exactly how he got them. He didn't, he wasn't rescuing them. He was buying them just like everybody else. Also, like, ugh. Did you know that Bubbles was born in Austin, Texas? No, and that makes a lot of sense because a lot of crazy shit happens here. And so, 
<laughs> Bubbles is older than I am. He's 35 years old, and he now resides in at the Center for Great Apes, a sanctuary in Florida. So really? if y'all wanted you know, to know. When I was thinking, when I was watching this documentary, I was thinking a lot about Travis, you know, the monkey that ripped that lady's face and eyeball out and ripped her ears and lips off. Oh, yeah. And they um, did the whole thing on the interview on uh, Oprah. She got the first first looks of that lady. Oh. <sighs> My goodness, because I've, I've read that article a million times about how they kept him and how you're not really supposed to keep them because they are actually very, very strong. And mm-hmm. I mean, they they go through puberty and uh, you don't want a strong monkey going through puberty in your house. <laughs> All that shit. And I was telling a friend that and we were in a work environment, by the way. And then she's like, and I was telling him how they used to dress him up. And so she Google searched Travis, the monkey dress up and the picture of that woman after 20 surgeries shows up and she looks horrific i'm not i'm not making fun of her i'm just saying the truth she looks horrific and on this documentary doc has the chimpanzees out because he's got the he's got a party or something going on and Mm -hmm. he's saying hurry up hurry up hurry up because uh the we you get about 10 minutes and then they're ripping off fingers (laughs) right yeah it's like I think we but, skipped over this. I think this maybe was in episode two, but we need to get into the inter- injuries that they had on at the sanctuary. So many. They were like I said on my episode, they were like a little bucket of Mr. Potato Head parts. It was so <laughs> many of the injuries, and <laughs> they were. <laughs> People were missing limbs, and like everybody had a limp. It was. <laughs> No, legit, like the land of misfit inmates. I mean, it's wild. Um, Yeah. We find out one day there's a big hubbub at the GW Zoo, and we find out that one of the employees has gotten injured, our beloved Seth. Yeah. Seth apparently stuck her, his, excuse me. I'm so into him. I'm so into him. We we actually did have a question of somebody who asked. Let me look who asked this. Um, was it was not Laura? Oh my god, who was this? Somebody asked us who they. Okay, this is from Shira. If you had to join a poly relationship with anybody from T- Tiger King, who would it be? Oh my goodness, it would be Seth. Um. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be sad. Even my... after the incident, it'd be sad. <laughs> yes. Did you notice that in his um, B-roll, they have him petting like a little cat that just kind of wandered over to where he was? And I was like, look at that. Even after all the shit that went down, you're still going to pet a cat? Cute. So I chill. love this about you. He yeah. was so chill. My answer was John Finley. Like, I don't even, I actually kind of think he looks better without the teeth. <laughs> so... John Finley. John Finley. So apparently, like, I love that he was interviewed with no shirt on and just some pants. And he didn't even notice that, like, they're like, when they tell you to take your shirt off for the thing to make you look as worse as possible. And was it that his his dentures weren't out? Because if he had dentures, the few teeth he had wouldn't be there. They would have removed those teeth to make room for it because they weren't in good shape anyway. Right. So So he must have got dentures out. Yeah, he got them during filming, but after the interviews. Okay. So he also alleges that even though he was like a heavy meth user, that the he didn't lose his teeth because of meth, that he has okay. like a genetic disease. Sure. And meth. Like, yeah. don't do this to me, John. <laughs> the meth wasn't nope. helping. 
don't <laughs> act like like and you're, he's right there's plenty of people who have genetic diseases that do stuff like that and also like extremely poor teeth care especially when you're younger like people think baby teeth don't fucking count they do count because they're the basis on which you're like when you have diseased gums and stuff you're from your baby teeth i i, I can't believe i'm sitting here talking about this because i've had fosters that had to go into surgery to get like that had such bad teeth that I had to take them to like, I had a four year old going to surgery last year because wow. of his teeth. And they, the dentist explained the whole thing to me. It was like, yeah, they're baby teeth. But first of all, he's probably going to have them until he's like 12. And then two, like you want him to eat. Right. And I was like, yeah. Right. And then two, they're the basis of what his adult teeth are going to be like. So yeah, John's right. But also meth. Don't, don't give me this. Okay. <laughs> John, John, listen, I know I called you Tommy Pickles. I'll take it back. But I'll tell you what. Still uh, I mean, I cute. called him the baby from from uh, Roger Rabbit, so I wasn't yeah. much better. Yeah. Um, he's cute, though. That's a good choose. Like, he seems... He seems affable. He seems like somebody that'd be easy to be around to. Yeah. Like, you could have a perfectly good conversation with him at the Walmart, and... <laughs> You know, go and plot your big day. He probably called me the N-word, but you know what? He Absolutely. was nice to me then. <laughs> Sometimes Joe Exotic, Travis, and uh, John been out here saying the N-word oh. all day long. How much footage was scrapped? Yes. <laughs> and that's, um, why I said, that's why I said this is some white people shit. And I'm sorry to the white people listening to this, but you know it is. We only saw like two or three people of color and they all looked like they didn't want to be a part of this. They really didn't. I saw like, this is this is prime, like everybody we know is white. <laughs> this is this is white people shit right here that we're that yes. we're talking about. My my only knowledge of Oklahoma really is uh from Crystal. So yeah. I'm of the understanding that this is like a very segregated state, even today. Yeah, I think so too. <clears throat> and I also think that most black people, when you, like, I know a lot of black people that don't fuck with dogs. So, right. As soon as you see them about tiger, they're like, oh no, no, we don't do that. <laughs> well, that's what I said on your podcast. Like, of course, there are no black people. There's too much animal fur being fly- flown around <laughs> this situation for black people to be anywhere near it. I mean, the blackest person was Saf, and he was Hawaiian. So, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, so Saf had the issue where, according to Saf, he put his hand in a cage and so when he should have been using a stick and was mauled. Right. Um, and when that happened, there's footage of Joe going, I'm never going to recover from this financially. Financially. Uh, yeah. I have a question. How did he... Man... <laughs> His employee, his trusted employee, I have to imagine that Saf was probably one of the higher ups in terms of like trust and intelligence. Like Saf comes off really well. Yeah. Um, how did he find, how did he get the time to find that EMS bomber jacket? <laughs> I think. Where did that come from? I think that's one of his costumes from when he used to go to schools. Oh, I think that's oh, a part of even talk a about. show. We I didn't think, even talk about how he started off by like going to schools, like doing, being like a motivational speaker. 
But the yeah. kids wouldn't listen, so he started bringing the animals. So then, and that wasn't enough, so he met a 12-year-old boy, taught him some magic. <laughs> John should, John, uh, Joe should not be allowed around 12-year-old boys. And we know this, not because he's gay, but he's a gay man that has two husbands that are 19 and a month out of high school. And he's, he's a sexual predator. He's a sexual um, Which we're not complaining with homosexuality at all. No, it's a very separate all. issue. He's a sexual um, predator with an EMS jacket. That's a thing. <laughs> we should talk about that. I mean, it was like legit. And then he goes into the gift shop and it's like, before you guys hear anything, it's going to be on the news. An hour ago, one of our employees was, you know, mauled by a tiger. So if you want a refund, let me know. If you want a rain check, let us know. <laughs> like, all about the money. He's a complete whore for money, like a cash pig, a true cash pig. And staff. What so he gets to the hospital and they're like there's gonna be a year of reconstructive surgery and like or we can amputate or we can amputate and he says amputate and yeah. and he says because the media would was already turning it and like he's very loyal to Joe he's very loyal to those animals he's probably more loyal to the animals but also let's talk about how Saf was gonna pay for that Saf lives on a lives in a trailer on a tiger farm okay right. <laughs> eating out of a meat expired meat truck from Walmart. I know that we didn't see Saf doing that, but if Saf lived there and made 150, maybe Saf was one of the like uh, higher up employees. Maybe Saf made $200 a week. Um, I'm Saf thinking 125 out- tops. <laughs> yeah, Saf was eating out the meat truck. Okay? Yeah. So no insurance. If I were Saf, I would have said amputate too because I can't afford it. This is all cosmetic shit. Who's going to pay for it? Joe ain't got no fucking money. Like, right. Joe's spending all his money on these men, on these little boys. How so, am I going to afford multiple surgeries, years of, you know, medication, all of these yes. things that go into it? And probably can't work. So you think Joe's paying him? Right. No, nope. Joe's not paying him unless you're there. Yeah, and the loyalty to the greater good if you want to call it that of the gw zoo and right to not make the zoo look bad to not make it shut down potentially because you know a horrific thing happened was like it's it's a hard thing to like i get it like like you said he basically didn't have a choice because financially there was no way that that would have been feasible for him but like dang like his his he was so virtuous and like the reason why he was doing this and like god it just makes you feel so bad for him yeah and also like so i guess at this point um saf doesn't have anything to do like left the entire life and everyone with it and but at the time he was doing interviews where he was like it was entirely my fault it was not the animal's fault like i feel like it was more loyalty to the animal like he didn't the animal wasn't um put down it was just moved to another area. But I just, I felt terrible about that. Um, again, he could still get it. I don't have a problem saying that. <laughs> <laughs> secondly, secondly, so the other person, I forget his name. Was it Larry or was it Gary? You know, he had the wild hair and no, was it Reichman? I don't know. It was a name. And so he had- <laughs> with the legs? Yeah, with the legs. Oh, I think his name was John Rinky or something like that. Rinky. Okay. Yeah. So Rinky had two legs missing, and 
I must have missed this part. And then later on Twitter, someone. So here's let me tell you what I thought happened to his legs. OK, I thought I just he was saying he was walking too much. And like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, they don't even have go karts on that tiger farm. <laughs> they just walked his legs right off. <laughs> Princess. <laughs> you did too many steps, too many steps that day, and yeah. they just popped right off. They say 10,000 steps a day. Maybe he did a lot more than that. <laughs> this is horrible. If you guys give bad reviews, give it to Princess, not to me. <laughs> I'm just telling you, like, I missed, like, I had all these kids and shit going in out of the house, so I missed the part where he explained, and it was only later on Twitter when someone was, like, he was in, like, a, uh, a bungee a, jumping accident, a zip lining or a bungee jumping or a hang gliding, some, some of them things that white people do, and he was, and, and he injured it there, and then, instead of, like, staying off of them, he didn't, and so, right. he, but yeah, like I spent a whole documentary going in the in the in the zoo was so big that if you walked around it all day, your legs would fall. Do you want Do you want me to tell the story so that you feel bad? <laughs> Please. <do. laughs> okay, so he used to be a professional bungee jumper. On April 22nd of 1994, he was helping his friends test the bungee jumping ride when a pulley malfunctioned and he fell 55 feet. Oh he bounced God. and crushed both of his legs. Not from walking, princess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I have bad kids. <laughs> so what happened? Oh, shit. This is fucked up. He landed on a six-inch metal stake, which pierces colon and his stomach. Oh, my um, God. So... Yeah, he he had one leg replaced initially in 2006. Um, he was in a wheelchair for a year and a half before learning to walk again. They amputated the first leg in, in 2006. And then... Um, what happened after this? Uh, then he lost his other leg. Okay, so in September of 2009, doctors had to remove his right leg. But it doesn't say why. Um, but then he was back to work in 10 days yeah you know what i bet you joe paid him under the table i bet he paid him all under the table because that guy has to get disability and you're not gonna get disability if you're working a full-time job so i bet joe used to pay him underneath the table and that's that sounds horrific i can't even imagine going through that um so that's that guy uh joe's got a limp from the car accident you told us about uh, Jeff, who comes in later in later episodes, he's got a limp. I don't know why. Maybe from being a dick. I'm not sure. But um, Jill everyone... seems to have attached some sort of like uh, bandana permanently to his head. <laughs> <laughs> Another guy wearing bandanas and hats that are like just say douche on them. Like he, right. <laughs> he looks like Kaiju with the when he takes the things off. He's got a bald head. He has no eyebrows. It's weird. <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. So where are we at? So we're we don't even know where we're at. Where are we at? The studio uh, blows up. Yes. Um, he rebuilds it. He's he claims Carol climbed her fat ass over the fence and did it. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. But thinks it, it was Joe. Yeah. In swoops Jeff Lowe. He's the financier. Like money is really getting tight here. Is this Joe shows up? When Jeff shows up? Yep. Okay. Yep. So he, he comes in. He's like, 
this like big guy from Vegas. He comes from circus money, I guess. His family, his ancestors were circus people. Um, so he circus money. There's no such thing. <laughs> well, apparently there's not. I don't know. He I mean, apparently it seems like a smoke show, but like all the money that he's presenting exactly. doesn't seem to be really his. He's if got Joe, as soon as he was like, Well, I'm from circus money, I'd be like, All right, I'm leaving. Get my purse and leave because there's no such thing as circus money. So you can just mm, get out of here with that. <laughs> the most interesting thing about Jeff, I think, is that Joe deferred to him, and he nobody had ever seen Joe defer to anybody. But he was like Jeff's lapdog. Yeah, purely because um, he had money and Joe did not. Yeah, he was flashy in a way, and he he. You know what? He had money the way a lot of people in like Vegas and in LA and some and New York to a certain point have money. Like you always see them somewhere. They always they're they're driving something ridiculous. They've got a when you go to wherever they are, they have a big house or or an expensive real estate, and it looks like money. But then you yeah. find out that the house is rented. Yeah. The and Ferrari he's driving in is yeah, it's all a smoke show. Yeah, and so he comes in to help Joe because mm, we forgot to talk about the reason why he came in. Joe and the lawsuit. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you handle this. All right. So the thing about Carol is Carol's been on the internet for a long time with her hey cool cats and kittens and. The, right. she's, she gets a lot of like internet traffic when you search Big Cat Rescues. Her name is really good at SEO. Um, she's yeah. got t- tons of social media following. So she's very big on search engines. And Joe wanted to take some of that from her. Um, and so he created a company called Big Cat Entertainment. and Which started- was like his traveling pet cub, cub petting business, exactly. if you want to call it that. And so he started and he used a logo that was similar to theirs. He used um, branding that was similar to theirs. And they found out about it basically because people were calling going, why do you, I thought you didn't do cup petting. I thought you said it was like inhumane and stuff to be touching and stuff like that. And she's like, I don't. And what she realized is that Joe had set up a website. He'd set up a phone number in Florida area code and an address in area and infringed upon her brand. So right. what she did was sue him for a trademark infringement, I believe. It's not copyright, it's trademark. And right. she won. And I'll tell you why she won. Because when I look at the deposition, Joe showed up in an Iron Man t-shirt and <laughs> uh, a monster <laughs> And it's just like livid. He's, he's admitting to everything. He's having protests on her property. Um, there aren't really protests. They're more of like a a circus and he loses because it's quite obvious what he did, why he did it. And he, he can't help himself. That's one of the things I, I feel about Joe is that like doc is so much smarter in the way that he handles things. And Joe is just like, I wouldn't be surprised if Joe has some sort of uh, mood disorder because Mm -hmm. he has an incredibly hard time holding himself together. So they win, they win a million dollar judgment but Joe obviously doesn't want to pay for it. And he starts, at this point, he's trying to avoid paying for them. And they're going to get the money for it. Mm-hmm. I saw that that um, reporter was talking about why would you go after this judgment that you couldn't collect. 
I don't know what people keep saying that Carol's doing stuff she shouldn't be doing. Yes, she shouldn't murder people, but she, yes, she can send you a cease and desist. Yes, she can sue you. Yes, she can collect the money that she rightfully won. I don't know why they're mad at her for that. Yeah, so, I agree. I mean, like, they basically tried to undo all the work that she had, like, in terms of internet presence. Like, Big Cat Rescue, if you're typing it in, is a pretty generic term. But the fact that, like, she, you know, really got on the ground floor in terms of social media, in terms of, like, you know, uh, SEO, like you said, in terms of, and then, like, they are basically just, like, came in and tried to undo that, like, doing similar names, doing that phone number that was from Florida, um, you know, like making, making posters where it said like big cat rescue, but the entertainment was like very light on the paper. Um, Taking like the banner from her website and using it a very similar picture for the banner on their headlines, like all of this really sketchy grimy stuff so yeah Yeah. i i believe she had every right in the world to go after all the work she did yeah because ultimately like they weren't doing any good they just wanted to make her feel bad right and so the other thing is is that she felt like by going by off this money like she couldn't shut him down legally but she could go after this money and shut him down that way the cup reading and stuff and so he starts hiding assets. He puts his shit in John Finley's name. There's a, like, there's a cute little video of him forcing John, like, kind of leading John to say that he's the CEO and president. And John's like, I'm the CEO. Uh, uh. Like, John doesn't even know what a CEO does. <laughs> and so, I'm and the so, president? <laughs> yeah. Of the United States? Wow. And so, and so There's a lot of, like, shit. transferring of deeds. Yeah, especially to his, his mother. Family. And so when you do that, then you these people can be added to the lawsuit. And Jill's all like, poor me. She's suing my mama. She's suing this. Dude, you're the one that did it. You're the one that did all he this. led his mother into financial ruin. Like, it, it, it just broke my heart to watch her record that video. Her hand's shaking. She's holding her hand of her husband oh. saying, like, we need money. You know, like, I need money just to, like, live now. Like, he went through hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, like, this whole story of them, like not being supportive of him just blows straight out of the water because they really they were they was that his father i thought that was her husband was that his father the one that said don't come to my funeral oh i don't i I assume that was his dad i don't know i mean it was her husband they don't but yeah so he's like he's also borrowing money from her yeah um because he doesn't have any money right now because i mean he's spinning it up on everything he's doing and so this so how Jeff gets in is that Joe is going down monetary wise because he, unlike Doc and the other people, he picked this fight, this blatantly illegal fight with Carol. Okay, um, Doc does thing like he takes in the Cubs to to Senate <laughs> and and makes them take pictures, and they're all excited about that. So that when Carol shows up, they like assholes if they support her bill. That's a smart right. way to go about it. Joe is doing something that's so illegal and he got caught doing it. So Jeff comes in and Jeff needs 14, he has 14 tigers he needs to house. I don't right. know where they were before that. So he's got that. So he and he and um, Joe started a relationship and 
Jeff really is on his side with this Carol stuff. And yes. like at one point there was like $45,000 in lawyer's fees that needed to be paid. And Jeff just came up, like got them down to $35,000 and just paid it. And he's also like, there's a phone call where they're supposed to be on with the lawyer and, and Carol and Howard. And they're talking oh, about God. Like, Howard. And they're talking about how um, they're trying to do a uh, payment plan. But what, it's almost going well, but Carol's like, I want like your mom's house as collateral, which right. makes sense considering all the dodgy shit that Joe's been doing. I'm not mad at her for that. And Jeff shows up and is like, no, fuck you. I, when I woke up this morning, this was America and it still is. It's such a white man thing to say. It is such a white man in Oklahoma thing to say. It is such a white man. And, and you fuck yourself, Howard. And your cunt wife too. Like he and Joe is so you, the big cheese on his face that someone went in there and said something to him for this, right? And that's how he got him because he's buying he's buying them weed and stuff because you know Travis is a big weed head. He's buying them drugs. He's he they're going they're going out to Vegas. They're doing all this stuff, and so they decide to get in business together. And what Joe does, this is Joe's real downfall. Joe transfers. Because he's been transferring the deed of the, the zoo every which way but Sunday. I think Saf owned it at one point. So right. like, he transfers it to Jeff so that he can keep Carol from taking it. And so what happens is that Jeff becomes the owner and Joe becomes like president or something like that. Right. And at this time, Joe is also distracted by his presidential campaign and then his gubernatorial campaign, which he obviously loses, but he gets some notoriety from both of them. And that's really what Joe always wanted, is notoriety. Right. And that basically brings us right into episode five, which basically it's called Make America Exotic Again. And it goes <laughs> all into Joe's political ambitions. Which were none, because Joe didn't <clears throat> even know, like he got his campaign manager at the Walmart gun department. Right. And who I found a little cute. I don't know what's going on with me. Everybody's cute these days. <laughs> I found him to be somebody I could take down. Except for when he said he was a libertarian. I was like, ah, I can't even do that to myself. But, um, <laughs> but he he definitely was my type. And so um, that guy basically ran his campaign. Like he told Joe what a libertarian is and Joe still doesn't know what one is. He basically did all the stuff. Right. And so... I mean, they just sunk a lot of money into it. He got on, what is it? What's the guy's name? Something tonight? What's his name? Oh, um, John Oliver. John Oliver, yes. He got on John Oliver. He got a, he got a lot of buzz from this. But this this was the episode I felt like they could take out because I didn't care about it. Um, this could have well, been 15 minutes. <sighs> Shit got real heavy in episode five. Oh, yeah. Five. Wait, wait, wait. You're right. It real wasn't heavy. Whole- yeah all right so, so you tell this part <laughs> so we i mean basically just talking about how like joe met this guy at the walmart he became his political uh his campaign manager um things are not going well but like joe's loving all the attention um by the way he ran for president in 2016 as an independent candidate and received 962 votes in 2018 throwing their fucking votes away huh 
Okay. <laughs> That's how we got here. Anyway, um, <laughs> two years later, he attempted to build a political career again. Like you mentioned, running for governor of Oklahoma. He received 664 votes, finishing last out of three candidates. Um, he did everything he could. He misappropriated funds from the <laughs> zoo. Because he didn't uh, know how it worked. You know what I'm saying? Like, he literally just did this on a fucking humbug. He did not even realize that you just can't write a check from that business in somebody put, else's name and it, in some put it towards some condoms with your with your face. Yeah, on and it. condoms with your face on it, saying "Vote for me" or you're screwed. Like it really has to go. Like there, are, it's so strict how campaign funds must be used, how you obtain them, how you use them, the 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 paper trail, and he had no idea. Right, right. And and this also, the episode touches on Joe's relationships with both Travis and John, who we're led to believe are fully in this consensual relationship. And in a way they are, but not really, because they get into the drugs of it all. Um, Travis was a young boy from California. He was a big stoner and he smoked a lot, like he stayed high. There are pictures of him where he's got like a glad, like a glad bag full of, like a Ziploc bag full of weed. Like the, the he freezer bag. fucked bags. up in every picture. Every There are some pictures of them like kissing like glamour shots and stuff. It looked like they dragged Travis out of the woods. He's yeah. sweaty and filthy. They put a shirt on him and just were like, kiss me. Look over here. And he looks... He looks like he doesn't even know where the fuck he is. Somebody wanted us to talk about their the wedding and the the blanket of with the picture of all three of them shirtless. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I want to say about that? Joe loves some merch. He loves like he, that's a guy that used t-shirts printed for you on a regular fucking basis. He definitely <laughs> knows how to get online and use the online system to put stuff on. To get it embroidered, he knows how to do that because this motherfucker oh. would do. If he his- doesn't know anything. It's how to how to screen print. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But um, yeah. So this is the episode where we find out that both John and Travis are actually completely straight guys. Well, um, they gotta be at least bisexual. They're fucking Joe. Well, and Joe that goes into the wrote him in prison. And he's it's- like. I'm a- Thank you for mentioning that. Joe confirmed it's a tough. Um, But there's the meth of it all, which I think, Mm. you know, like XD said, they're methosexuals, which John Finley said that, like, meth was kind of their drug of choice as a thruple. Um, But that, uh, yeah, they were both straight, that... You know, he was just throwing money at them, throwing drugs at them to keep them around, which is abusive. But I do want to say this. I don't want to call it a non-consensual relationship. It was a consensual relationship. It was an abusive. The power imbalance is, is off. And also, it was a dysfunctional relationship. There is no, like, he didn't I mean, rape them. No, it's consensual in terms of, for in what I hear about meth. Of definition, it is consensual. Yeah, but for, like, for what he I hear about like jail for the relationship. No, no, correct. Um, for what I hear about like regular meth users, sometimes a hole is just the hole, and yeah. there's really no 
you're you're just getting getting it how you live. Um, yeah, and also he's buying them things. He bought John multiple trucks. He bought them guns. I mean, and four wheelers, four wheelers. And Travis did nothing but ride around high and shoot at things all day long. He didn't yeah, do so, any work on the on the zoo. Right. So whereas John actually was working at the park, they just let Travis do whatever he wanted. Um, it seemed very much like Travis had some mental health issues, but yes. also that could have just been the meth. <laughs> um, so we are talking to his campaign manager and there are cameras basically everywhere on the property. And he gets into how Travis basically would like point guns at people in the park. He was like obsessed with shooting people that he would often wake up, find Travis with a gun in his face, like, hey, stick him up or whatever. Why was the campaign manager sleeping at the zoo? Great question. <laughs> I, I was like, you talk about this real casual. Why are you sleeping over there? Are you in one of the trailers? Dude, what are you doing? Even being a manager at Walmart can't be that bad. What are you doing? Right, right. <laughs> Um, so we see footage of the campaign manager talking to Travis. Um, there was another man there who ends up leaving. We, his face is blurred out. I had questions about that. Um, but we see another situation in which Travis points a gun in his face and he's like a gun aficionado. He's like, Travis, like I told you, do not put a gun in my face. Like, don't do it. It's not safe. And That's Travis says, gun safety. "You do not point it at anybody unless you." And it, you. exactly. So we, you don't see Travis because he's standing underneath the camera. But um, what the campaign manager says is that Travis said, "Oh, you know, you need a clip for this particular gun. It's a Ruger. Like, you need a clip." He points it at his head and kills himself. You don't see him kill himself, but you definitely see like the the flash of the gun and you see a little bit of him falling. You see this guy like put his hands on his head, like home alone style. Like, yes. Like he can't believe what happened. Like, like he's, he's sitting there for a good 15 seconds. Like, Oh, (laughs) and then also finally see him run. Travis is talking, has been talking a lot about how he feels like a prisoner there. He can't leave because Joe gets upset every time he leaves because Travis is fucking everybody on the uh, all the women that show up there. He wants to go to the to the strip club that uh, Chucky Doll owns, but he can't leave. He's not allowed to work. He's solely dependent on Joe, right? And also, and he feels like he doesn't have enough weed, so he's a major weed head. Like, yeah. Um, so that's why he went into the office that day. He was complaining about like how he wanted to leave, but mostly how he didn't have enough weed. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't have enough. And keep in mind, Joe's being Joe is like Joe doesn't have a lot of money right now. He's spending it all on lawyers. The can't like he doesn't have a ton of money. So I can imagine that his weed thing got his weed supply got low. So so people have questions about whether Travis really shot himself on purpose or whether someone else shot him or whether it really was an accident. And as far as I I'm concerned. One, I don't think somebody else shot him. I don't. I think it's too. I think the fact that the camera was on the campaign manager watching this the whole time, I really don't think somebody else shot him. Um, yeah. Also, the campaign that guy seems like a fuck. pretty. Uh, I don't want to say upstanding, but he doesn't seem like no. he would really lie about. Well, he doesn't like give that. a fuck about Joe. So right. yeah, I don't true. think he, he would has lie no loyalty to him. to him. Yeah. Right. So whether or not it was it was on purpose or an accident, I don't think it matters. The fact is. He was in such a 
a bad place mentally that he thought it would be okay to point a gun at himself and pull the trigger, regardless of like, if you're in a good place mentally, you just don't even want to do that. Right. I mean, and we see footage of him like doing like a fake gun at people, like pointing it at them. He's like on a, a four wheeler and like shooting, fake shooting at the at the cameras. Like yeah. we see that he has this like some sort of like incessant need. There's a fixation with guns with him. Obviously, he's not well. I mean, the dude is stoned and high on meth at all times. So like, and also sleeping with a man <clears throat> in exchange for him to pay for your meth. And right. your mom's there. I think she's on meth too. Uh, your mom's there all the time. Uh, and she's a year younger than Joe. Yeah. And I'm sure that Joe has a lot of fantasies about you doing stuff to Chris. So the two of you are fucking for Joe. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. Chris has also said that he dated women all through high school. And a month out of high school, he met Joe. And so. I'm not going to sit here and act like they're just 100% straight. Um, it's possible. I don't think that's true. I think, you know, everybody's on a spectrum. But I don't think they would either one of them would have been fucking Joe if he couldn't put baby tigers in their hands and then buy them a truck. Right. I mean, and, and I think his mom touched on that. It's like, what what does a 19-year-old guy want? He wants to party. He wants to have fun. He wants to, like, do drugs and just, like, live a lifestyle where he doesn't have any a care in the world. Like, he presented the perfect situation for these guys. Yeah. And it, it's really, really sick. It was very sad. Like, and I think I texted you. I was <laughs> like, how far are you in this? Have you got to the Travis episode? You were like, mm, gonna, I'm going to look at it. <laughs> And then suddenly you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, yeah exactly. You know, this fucking Tiger King bullshit, okay? <laughs> I had to pause. So let's talk about the funeral. This, I think, really taps You mean taps Joe's in... show? You mean his, 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 his sold-out concert? <laughs> his his one-man show in which they're at the grave site. They're, yes. in, they're like under the tent like you do. He, Travis is right there dead he starts singing he starts singing a song about himself it's about himself it's about how he became the tiger king about how his brother died it's and he's in a small town that's what the song's about you would think that like i maybe i i could write a song about travis and our love or something no it is all about him there are people in the audience clapping for him uh I mean, his mom, Travis's mom was talking about how disgusting the whole situation was. Like, it is, like, I'm laughing because it's just so awful. It was just, like, I I just couldn't even believe what I was watching. The what he was wearing. It was was so, so unwell. Tim McGraw to Vegas. It was disgusting. And don't forget, two months after, now, I'm assuming that when Travis died, Chris was already gone. Not Chris. John was already gone. Because John... Yes. Remember, John was fucking... Amber. John was fu- fucking all kinds of people at the park, too. Especially Secretary Amber. He got yep. her pregnant and left with her. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, so I think that John was already gone. Travis kills himself. And two months later, two months later, Joe is marrying Dylan, who he meets on camera... From Tinder or someplace. And 
he's running his campaign, keeping, and he's about to do a parade, and he looks at, he's meeting Dylan for the first time. Dylan looks very young. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he was in high school. And he goes, you know, on the parade, do you want to ride with me or you want to ride with the Tigers? And Dylan's like, oh, with the Tigers. And he goes, Dylan oh, thinks the he's like, Dylan like thinks he's the bad, the baddest bitch in Greater Winnie with Oklahoma. Like, he probably he... is, though. Think about that. <laughs> he's the Beyonce of Greater Winnie with Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he literally, two months later, they're married. Um, we see that he, they have the wedding and that he invites Travis's mom to the wedding, basically just to make it look like she approved of all this. And she said, like, he never spoke to her after that wedding. But also, he invited her to a wedding, which is one thing to go to a party. But when he got there, it was the flower girl, Dylan, <laughs> Joe, and, like, one other person and her. So it's, like, five people. Right. And it's just a photo op. It was, like, you know, she was just going to go to, like, a big thing where she was just going to sit in the back. And she knows Joe, so why wouldn't she? But, right. Ugh. He has her, like, upstanding there with them. Just yeah. to make it seem like she was, like, totally okay with it. So it didn't seem sketchy. And, yeah, I mean, this is, like, truly the height of Joe. Just, like, he's completely gone and out of control. Yeah. Yeah. So this gets us to episode six called The Noble Thing to Do. This is where we find, um, we meet uh, James Garrett. Or Garrettson. Chucky. Chucky, <laughs> James Garrettson, um, and this is kind of like where he and what's his name, Jeff. Too many J names in here. This is where <laughs> we find. This is where Joe and Jeff start to move apart, and right. it gets very complicated because there are lots of bad actors in this in this thing. So. Well, so this is what happens. All right, so Jeff and Joe are are less are are not are are not in the same place anymore in terms like I think Jeff got what he wanted. He's got he he owns everything that Joe thought he owned, and right changes are being made at the zoo. Joe's yes. not liking the loss of power that he's he's right. having. He's just a face, and Jeff realizes. Jeff, so Jeff says, well, first of all, let's talk about Jeff went back to to Las Vegas to try to open up the zoo there and it didn't work out because he got arrested taking uh cubs up to uh vegas to um casino hotels and inviting people up to pet with them and he also tried to do a a cub bus where you would they let you play with tigers as they drove from, from casino to casino Ugh. so he got arrested and joe had to bail him out um and when he gets back he says he went to the bank to get some statements because Joe wasn't providing them. And the bank teller goes, y'all okay over there? We got a federal warrant on y'all. I don't know what for, but you watch your back. And <laughs> this is absolutely not what fucking happened. There is no way the bank teller told you a federal warrant came for your bank records. There is no fucking way. I think what happened is that he realized that uh, Joe was spending more money than he expected him to, and he got into it. Um, and he basically tells Joe that, listen, this is against the law. Someone, they're investigating you just so you know, 
which is probably something he made up at this point. And because no one ever talks about what the federal investigation was before before the murder plot. They don't talk about so maybe it had something to do with animals, but I just I don't think that that, that Jeff knew that. So Joe decides he's gonna leave. He sells a bunch of animals, he packs up Dylan. I mean, he comes in the middle of the night and sells a bunch of animals. He packs up Dylan. And he goes to an undisclosed place in uh, southern Oklahoma, which is like you go on the run. So you go to southern Oklahoma, like go somewhere, (laughs) man. Then you didn't even make it into Texas. What the fuck? And then then he ends up in Florida. He's telling everybody he's in Belize, but everyone knows that, like Chucky said, that's Florida water. So so that's where he goes. So during this time, keep in mind... And this is part of the thing that I have a problem with. Like people keep saying that Joe must be innocent and he's got set up. We really do need to define setup because Joe has been soliciting people to kill Carol for years. He's been talking about killing Carol for years. When Travis was alive, Travis was talking about going down there and killing Carol for Joe. It's it's right. an open secret. But Jeff is the one that says you should look up her bike path where she does her cool cats and kittens ride every day. And they do, and they find out a bunch of things. And Jeff is the one that says, well, you can do this, you can do that. And Jeff brings in Alan, felon and white supremacist. Um, <laughs> he sure. has all these tattoos, dude. Like, he does. So, And so, yeah. does, um, so does Jeff. Jeff has a, uh, has a white supremacist symbol on him. Um, so... He brings in Alan to help around the zoo and eventually they get to the point where Joe, between James, Joe, Alan, and Jeff, they're coming up with plots to kill her and and asking Alan to do it. Um, Meanwhile, James has bought a fucking, what is it? It's not a a lemur. Has bought a lemur illegally. Liger. Is it a liger? I think so. He pointed at the thing in there. I thought he was talking about that lemur. Maybe it was I don't know. I, also, I thought that man's legs fell off because he was walking too much. So <laughs> don't believe me. Don't believe me. So he's bought something illegally and he's in with the feds. Also, they said he does credit card fraud. He's selling stolen Hummers. So apparently he gets pinched and this is what the feds do. They get you, they turn you, and they... And so this starts this long process of them trying to get Joe to tell a federal agent or on camera or on recording to solicit the the uh, hit for Carol. In the end, what happens is that Jeff wants to get rid of Joe and he calls Carol, or he has Chucky do it, calls Carol to say, listen, we have all this evidence. We can give it to Carol and Carol could like be could get Joe out of here. So instead of answering the call, Carol sends everything they sent through like text or whatever to the to to um the feds the, the, the feds. Yeah. and that's how this ball gets rolling Joe never Joe never actually paid the federal the undercover agent to to do the hit which is what you kind of need you need some kind of thing that says I'm serious if mm. you guys have ever did you guys watch um Holly Hunter and the teenage <laughs> you know what she <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, the cheerleader uh, hitman scandal. It's part of getting, you have to give them money to say, I'm doing this. And that's how you can, but he never did that. And eventually he gave money to to uh, Alan. Alan. Alan, he was supposed to get five. 
on five before and five after. He only gave him three. And so Alan says he went down to the... Well, Alan says a lot of things, but Alan ended up killing her. And <laughs> he ended up going and partying with some strippers, he said. Alan, I feel like Alan did not make it out of Winniewood. I feel like Alan, <laughs> I feel like Alan was at one of Chucky's strip clubs. And Probably, yeah. So... What this all comes to a head is the feds start a case, do a case against um, Joe for this. Now, here's the thing about the feds. Feds are serious things. They only, they only arrest you if they know they got you. Um, you do 100% of your fucking time. <laughs> like, right. a federal, you don't want a federal charge on any fucking thing because they, they got all, you. <laughs> they got you. And so what happens, so they... Well, this is, we're talking about episode six. This is just, episode six is all about how this lines up. And it can be very confusing. But the gist of it for me is that Joe was always trying to kill Carol. Finally, some, these other people were in trouble as well. And we're like, all right, so let's get out of it by making sure Joe goes to jail for this illegal thing he definitely did. Right. But then they didn't go to jail. And that's the problem for me. You tell me what you think. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they, all of them, like Alan, James, Joe, Jeff, I mean, rather, they all really skated by. And it, the fact that they, the wildlife, because it wasn't like the FBI or anything. It was like the wildlife hunting and game, basically, which is like the FBI, but for animals. Yeah. Um, that... I mean, it's serious, but it's not the same as being, like, it's not the terrorist. It's not Homeland Security. But, yeah, right. it's serious. <laughs> it's the most serious you can get when you're talking about animals. When you're dealing with animals, for sure. Um, so the fact that they had to... They started off by getting him on the, like, attempted assassination, but... Or the murder for hire, rather. But they ended up, like, tacking all these, like animal violations because they knew that that was a better case for them because the murder for hire was a little bit flimsy. Um, Yeah. I mean, I thought that was very interesting. And I, I I mean, everybody has skeletons in their closet and it's really just a matter of time. Cause then they say that like zoo property. Right. Bears and tigers. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So it seems like, it's only a matter of time. Didn't they say that Jeff had like a, a pending case against him? Well, they what they said is that this this case isn't over, and that you know feds take a long time, but by the time they get there, they got it all, and you are gonna plead guilty or you're gonna do some jail time because they're gonna win their case. Um, what I think the reporter who I don't like that the, the interview, um, she said something that was really interesting in that like. People will accept a lot of things, but they're not going to accept the abuse of animals. So when they did the raid on the zoo and they found all those skulls and things like that, which, like, if you had even a, like, a model I have to understand what happens. There's no way you can breed dozens and dozens and dozens of cubs a year and then feed them as they get to 400 pound tigers there's no fucking way and also and also you run out of room there's 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 too many tigers here so where do they go (laughs) so like so like it's obvious what happened and joe admits he did it 
he says there's only two ways to put them down. He doesn't explain why he put them down. But he admits he put them down. What he won't admit is that he put them down so that, because they weren't profitable anymore. He doesn't say that they were sick or whatever. So, like, I, so that's how they got him, basically. Yeah. He was up up for seven. So what I found was really interesting is at first he was like, they got me on, they got me up against 79 years in this prison. And, you know, I've, I've been in cages with lions and tigers so bring it on and then like three episodes later he's like they've taken away all my rights I can't <laughs> I'm like what happened to you could bring it on what happened to that Joe Attica. <laughs> he's like I was strip searched yeah yeah you <laughs> see all these years you out here shooting fucking blow up dolls and threatening a blow like anytime Carol would be like well um list your assets and stuff. He'd be like, I hear you want this watch. And he'd blow it up. All this time you were doing that shit, you didn't realize your ass could go to jail and you'd have to they, you'd have to bend over and cough so they could make sure you didn't have shit in your booty. Like, this is demoralizing. It is hum- Like, people yeah. talk about prison all the time, like it's a vacation. And for some people who are very institutionalized, prison can be a vacation. But the thing about prison is it's boring, it's humiliating, it's demoralizing. It is, it's worse than being a tiger in a cage, as Joe Exotic said. So, do you, yeah. you tell me, do you think Joe belongs in jail? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because you do think he did it, right? I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, he obviously, like, tried to get this lady killed. He made so many threats on camera. There's so many receipts that... I mean, even I would want him in jail just purely on the threats, like the threats of violence. I would would be extremely afraid of him because, like, he seemed very intent on whacking her. Yes, he he they have so much footage of him holding up guns saying this is for when I get ready to go to Tampa. (laughs) He he was so cavalier about it, too. And 22 years for a murder for hire plot is not terrible. I mean, that's not all it's. It's really about the animal stuff. But that's not... 22 years is reasonable for a murder-for-hire plot. So I don't understand... Like, Cardi B, go figure out where Offset is, okay? Go... Do not... Do not try to get this man out of jail. Kim... Oh, she said she was just kidding about the GoFundMe. Well, still, Kim, (laughs) mind your fucking business. Do not get this man released. He belongs in jail. The problem is Jeff belongs in jail as well. And I'm sure Chucky is slick as fuck. Oh, he's probably got bodies in that liquidation store that he owns. Hummers? That's a that's a a chargeable offense. I haven't been charged with anything. And then the, the editors of this fucking documentary, when they do put him on that fucking jet ski and put that song up. Oh my god. I mean, was that like a... Focus on my Travis's week. That's what was going on. They were, like, they were like, "This is gonna be so cool. Let's do it." I mean, it truly like just that the ginger hair and that portly body on a jet ski. Uh, I mean, you you can't write that shit. He's got a terrible haircut. He needs to stop with that. Um, but I just think that he's not the only one that should go. And I I think he should talk about Doc. Let's talk about Doc. The 
And there are lesser players. I think his name is Tim Stark. It could be something else. The one that's like, I went to docks and um, I know how to raise tigers. I ain't worried about that. I want to know how I got all these bitches in line. <laughs> like that one? I don't know. Right. Put him in jail for something. There's the um the like fully like scar the inspiration for Scarface who had that like FBI guy burned in his front yard. I feel like he was the most likable character in the whole fucking thing. He Absolutely. was just like he's like you know I didn't do it, but what am I gonna say? I was just here when they cut him up. Okay, <laughs> I was like you know what he's talking sense here. Yeah, uh, I, <laughs> I also thought it was interesting how he talked about how he got in to it um into into like exotic animals as well is similar to everyone else they started with one like they bought it from a newspaper or some some crate or they found not found it but you know what i'm saying it's some mm-hmm. weird place and then next thing you know they had 50 and right. the next thing you know they had 50 more and i found him to be very interesting um i who oh, so tim was interesting that guy was I thought the part where they're going to move the zoo to the Texas Oklahoma border because mm-hmm. most of the people are going to be coming from Texas anyway. I wonder how they got the loan for all that fucking land. Yeah, I want to know like they kept touching on the fact that Jeff Lowe was you know like all spoken mirrors in terms of his finances, but everybody got paid, so like where did that money come from? <laughs> like he probably leveraged the tigers or the animals cuz they're worth you know what I mean? They're probably collateral yeah. on this. I, Jeff, you stole a zoo, okay? You really did steal a zoo. He didn't, he didn't, no money was exchanged. I'm sure you paid a couple of things for him. That's not this, it's not, you stole a zoo. And now you're teaming up with these other people and Chucky says you owe money for it. And it's, it was very complicated towards the end, but I just really want Jeff to go to jail. I agree. I want to see what's under that hat and the bandana, if anything Nothing else. To, girl, what did Joe tell you? He's a bald bitch <laughs> with a limp. <laughs> I'm like, uh, you got a limp, Joe. What's going on? <laughs> oh, people want us to talk about his eyebrow ring. That was real saggy. Oh, shout out to you, Morgan. Yes. <laughs> real saggy and stuff. And did you see the meme that was like how you see the world and how Joe sees the world? And you could just see like a little bit of a ring, <laughs> the eyebrow <laughs> ring. Giving him his tattoos and 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 um and piercings that aren't saying that is too heavy of a gauge for this. Like you need <sighs> your skin is losing its elasticity. Like it, it's not a cute look. Yeah, maybe you should get like a a very smaller. I don't know. Also, um, just little odds and ends we need to talk about. Like John getting having a tattoo saying that his dick was joe exotic's private property and yeah he was high as fuck when he agreed to get that much like the woman with the with the breast implants he was like i don't remember saying no <laughs> it just happened right and then we see him get it covered and it was like a bowl or something like a black bowl or something i didn't like it it wasn't all the way covered and the woman he ran off with is in the fringes of his scenes um i saw her in the parade scene, so you should also know this doc is filmed out of order. It's not in any particular order. And imagine being the woman who met your husband and baby daddy at a zoo that you worked at while he was in a thruple with the 
crazy owner and high on meth all the time. And you guys <sighs> fucked and then left. <laughs> what a story. Amber must have felt like the prettiest princess at the cattle call. <laughs> like, God bless her. There were three women working there and <laughs> your choices were limited, okay? Your choices I mean, were no shade to John. Like, he, he's, you know, if he had a full set of teeth, he's not a bad looking guy. I think he could have done a little bit better than Amber. <laughs> in all, all the pictures, in all of the, in all of the music videos, John's mouth is closed and we know why. <laughs> I love the part where they told John that James was a foreman. He was like, excuse me? <laughs> oh, yeah. He was like, pardon? <laughs> the trial was already going on, and he's like, what? I didn't know that. Uh, he had no idea. Like, dog. I was like, with this baby? I didn't know nothing about <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So, yeah. Um, there was a guy named Robert Moore who did... Uh, a podcast about Joe and he gave a lot of fun facts. So to talk about the first husband that you thought died, his oh. name, it was JC Hartpence. He's another straight guy. He served time in prison for molesting a young girl and he's serving oh. life in prison for first degree murder. Oh my God. He has a, a hair similar to Joe. Oh my goodness. And yeah. he loves, Joe loves a straight, you know what? I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to um, comment on this because I know so many lesbians that love a straight girl that love someone that like seems unattainable and is like emotionally not available because she is straight and she's gonna leave you eventually sure. you know what I mean yeah. and I feel like Joe literally like that his type is straight or straight seeming like yeah uh, I mean he said as much and who and what's this with everyone wanting to be married to a child molester? Fucking <laughs> Nicki Minaj started a trend. No, it was Joe. He had to start it. And then Nicki followed it. Like, just okay. stop. <laughs> uh, here's another thing that I thought was so funny. So this guy says, for a long time, Joe told everyone he was dying from prostate and bone marrow cancer. He raised money from his Facebook uh, fans for his expenses. Expenses. He showed me this horrifying photo as proof where it's like his nose and his mouth are like all kind of blistered up. Um, I later learned that he just had an infected prostate, dehydration, and a bad outbreak of herpes. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) All of them. All of them. Yeah. Um, So Rick, who was the the videographer, um, so... After the zoo fire, Rick moved to Dallas. Then his house mysteriously burned down, almost killing him. He fled to Norway, and he has never come back. Yeah, he kept saying he was going to make two or three million dollars off of this, and I was like, I know you didn't because I'm looking at your teeth right now. You did not make two or three (laughs) million dollars. He also used to have a crack cocaine addiction. Um, That makes sense. Yeah, another thing about Carol, after Don Lewis vanished, but before Carol married Howard, she dated a guy named Jay. In 2002, Jay filed a restraining order against Carol, which includes some bizarre and suspicious-sounding claims regarding Don's appearance. He said, um, one day she said to me when I asked her what happens if your husband shows up now, her response was, dead body cannot talk. Her former husband's daughter told me, um, I can't 
quite read this because it's handwritten that she could be dangerous and to watch my back um uh, he's claiming that carol carries two guns loaded always one in her truck one in her residence um she said that she was a suspect in her husband's disappearance and as recently as three to four days prior to him making a statement she told him human bones were found near lazy days rv center she said she hopes it's not on her property or she will be in some deep shit um there is going to be a series adaptation of the podcast about Joe Exotic and um, Kate McKinnon of the SNL fame is going to be ca- playing Carol. Um, I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want that. I don't want her doing that thing. Like, I want it to is be. Leave and, and pivot into more serious film like they all do. Is she gonna? Is it gonna be more serious? Because I want it to be a bit campy. But what I think of her doing, I don't want that. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think she'll be great. Um, I don't want Ghostbusters. I don't want that. So. Oh, well, I didn't watch that. That's not my ministry. So, <laughs> um, so okay. So apparently, he said, "Here's a detail I've never understood." In the doc, you hear Ellen say that he never went to Florida, but in the trial, he testified on the stand that one night he got drunk, drove to Florida, passed out on a beach, and then drove home. (laughs) From Oklahoma? Yeah. (laughs) Like, you can do that from Georgia. You can even do that from fucking Virginia as a certain, like, with a certain amount of ease, but from Oklahoma? It's far. I have no idea. No clue. Um, they have some a conversation between Joe and James, which was played at the trial, in which Joe says, yeah, what I'm doing is having him buy a Go phone, like a burner phone, down there. Jeff's going to buy a burner phone so they can communicate and then throw them away. And then we're going to overnight his phone to Vegas, and Jeff is going to text pictures every once in a while back to the staff, so that way his phone registers in Vegas. Je- uh, James says, Damn. <laughs> Joe says, as long as he don't get caught red-handed, I think I think we got this. James says, yeah. And then Joe says, but if they bust him red-handed, me and Jeff are just we got our story down to where we find where we fired the motherfucker and he just went off the deep end. Talking about Alan. Yeah. Um oh you know, Jeff, Jeff and Alan got a story about you, Joe. Right. That's what they got. <laughs> This was another one of my favorite things that when Jeff teamed up with Joe, one of their schemes was to buy the land next door and open up a bisexual strip club slash petting zoo called Tigers and Dreams. What's a bisexual? They mean that I mean, like men and women. I think they mean like co-ed or something. <laughs> okay. And they're going to do that co-ed next co-ed to Carol's sanctuary? Next to the GW Zoo. Oh, okay. Yeah. <gasps> Girl, we didn't talk about the pizza. <laughs> we didn't talk uh, about- yes, we got to talk about the pizza. I, the pizzeria place was called Zooters. <laughs> and I that's how James up. gets involved because they know James, but James is investing in the pizza place. He owns like restaurants and strip clubs. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So the pizzeria was called Zooters and... People were saying, oh, this is the best pizza ever, but it is very obvious that the meat that's being used on this pizza was the Walmart back of the truck expired. Uh, who said it was the best pizza ever? I mean, people who eat pizza in Oklahoma. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> people who eat 
people whose only only reference for pizza is probably like a DiGiorno's at best. Tombstone, baby. That's what they. <laughs> okay, so Does yeah, that make pizza because it's probably that. <laughs> that's what my husband walked in on and was like, "What the fuck are you watching?" And I was like, "I'm doing this for the podcast. Leave me alone." <laughs> like, every time I turn around, you talk about that fucking podcast. <laughs> Uh, do you have anything that you would like to add? No, it's, um, I feel like I'm like, I enjoy Netflix documentaries. Don't get me wrong. I recently watched the trials of Gabriel, Gabriel Fernandez, even though I should have like Kara said she meant to text me and tell me not to watch it. Kara, <laughs> I failed. Um, I did. It just started playing to be honest. And I was like, Ooh, what's this about? I do like, I love true crime. But I prefer white collar crime because I love anything where somebody did something to get a yacht or <laughs> something like that. Sure. I don't want to watch anything where someone did it because they were trying to feed their family. I want to. I I want to know that you committed these fucking crimes so you can get a rollie. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so this was like kind of right up my alley, and and that like really nobody got hurt except for these animals that um. I don't think any any of these organizations that we talked about are are good for animals at all, to be honest. Right. And so this is right up my alley. I, again, I thought it was too long, but I'm excited to see what a, whenever Netflix puts out a documentary, I'm always like, I want to watch it, and it's probably going to be something interesting, and the whole world's going to be tweeting about it, so I might as well. Mm-hmm. You're totally right. Yeah, I I would agree that we don't always need a six, seven, eight part documentary. No, not at all. Even Gabriel was... Fernandez, that should have been like four parts. I was like, there are I episodes totally that I was like, first of all, they kept using the same footage over and over again. You didn't have enough footage, and you could have condensed a lot of this stuff. There's always an episode that gets into like the minutia of something that isn't really interesting, or it gets into like, a, it takes another path, and it's like, oh, I didn't really need to watch 40 minutes of that. Yeah. But uh. I also feel that way about a lot of true crime um podcasts like i really like cold um Mm -hmm. and do you you listen to swindled what swindled no but i will because i'm 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 got my phone in my hand right now (laughs) i was like that sounds like something i want to listen to i love um podcast has a lot of great things about like big cons and kingpin like this is all stuff i really like but what i dislike is when it's a podcast series that's a limited series and again, they stretch it to 12 episodes, and it really could have been six, maybe seven podcasts. Yeah, that's, that's why Spindle is great, because they cover a different podcast or a different subject every episode. Like, they go into, like, Jim Baker, Tammy Faye Baker's husband. They talk about Firefest. They talk about um, I don't Anna want to do right now. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I, would love to, I would love to do that. And I, there, so one show I wa- I listen to that I really like, it's called Sports Criminals. And I don't believe in sports. Like it's not, if it's not RuPaul's Drag Race, it's not a sport. Right. And so like, which we should get together at the end of this season. We should talk about uh, Drag Race for a bonus episode. I love episode. that. I but love um, I'm learning so much about sports that I never knew. Like I knew Pete Rose was a thing, but I didn't know why. And just like understanding like the crimes, like crimes against their sports that they committed and the effects. It was so good. Um, so this was all right up my alley. I'm really happy I watched it. Again, we said this at the beginning. I'm going to say this again as we near the end. If you have not watched it, 
I don't know why you listen to this, but also it's not about tigers. It really isn't about tigers. No. It, we could be talking about pennies. Like they could have been penny traders. It would have been the same as fucking story. Okay. Yeah. And and in the it's, end, it's about ego and power yeah. and exchange of power. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it does touch in the end about how, like, you know, there are, what do they say, like, less than 5,000 tigers in captivity around the world. It's 400. But I think it's four. It's, it's very few, but there are like five to 10,000 tigers in ca- captive in America. It's just like, there you can still privately own these big cats it's a horrible thing because like you said like people think it's so cute when you get them at first they're adorable and then they get to three months old and they don't know what to how to you know there's they're too expensive they're dangerous dangerous yeah yeah it's a really really bad thing for them i've never heard of someone owning a big cat that wasn't also like a complete douchebag like that one guy that was on Love and Hip Hop Hollywood, he owned all these exotic animals and was also like sex trafficking people. Like anytime yeah. you're like, oh, they owned a lemur, and then they're like, also they molest children. It's always something else. They're never it's, just. Like, it's always something else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this was all. It's very informative, and I'm glad we got to do the show. Um, I haven't done a podcast this long. I don't know how long. I think. How long before we on this call? We're almost at three hours. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like, I know we're not going to get out of this. I, I think that, like, long podcasts are so unwell. Like, we we don't do that. So I hope you guys enjoy this. I hope that we don't take up too yeah. much of your time. The next three episodes of my podcast are going to be 20 minutes long. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing shit for the rest of the week. But anyway, guys, thank you guys so much for listening. Princess, We're I'm going to make you do this. So we're going to plug both of our podcasts. So where can people find you? All right. You can find me at Buy Pumpkin. Um and wow i just forgot where i am oh i like you can find me at buy pumpkin podcast on instagram you can find me at okay then princess on instagram and on twitter um i put out an episode of buy pumpkin which is explores niche reality tv shows um and right now we're doing breaking bonaducci you can find me like a new episode every sunday so while you're doing your laundry listen to me chat about bullshit um that's it it's a great, great Sunday podcast. So for those of you guys listening to Princess's podcast, you can find me at Everyone's Business But Mine on Instagram. You can find my podcast, Everyone's Business But Mine. Anywhere you listen, uh, you can find me at Kara B. Grams, Kara B. Tweets on Twitter. If you feel like listening to somebody be reckless, that's where you can find me. Um, oh, have- great news. <laughs> uh, yeah if you if you want to hear me rant about my love and hate relationship with Aubrey Drake Graham then I'm your girl <sighs> this was very therapeutic I, I loved it oh good I loved it too and I will see you <laughs> in just a few more weeks and we're gonna talk drag race because I think they gotta yes. yeah we're gonna do a bonus episode about that love it all right guys bye you can't find this taste in the zoo Oh, here, kitty, kitty Oh, Mama Carol, she sure loves you Oh, here, kitty, kitty Oh, Mama made this food